Hello, and welcome to the Super 70 Podcast. Special report, Joking with Dave Anderson. Welcome to another special report with Dave Anderson. Before we begin, I'd like to extend a huge thank you to my listeners. Most of you jumped on board after I invited Mike White from the Projection Booth to guest host the Pulp Fiction episode, and many of you stayed. Thanks to Mike, and to you. In another update, I'm going to take a month or two to prep for the next decade, which Dave and I have already planned. So you won't be hearing from the Super 70 podcast for a while, possibly March. But it's all good. We've got some exciting ground to cover in the next 10 episodes. We'll be back. And now for the podcast. Dave and I hung out in the Hacienda after the Social Network podcast to talk about a myriad of issues concerning the present and future of cinema. For instance, why are cinephiles increasingly turning away from spoilers? What value is there in Anne Hathaway kaiju movies? Is Taxi Driver a successful model for Joker? We go off the deep end discussing the now infamous Marvel vs. Scorsese fight. But most importantly, how do you order your criterions? By alpha or by spine? Are you ready now? I'm still ready. I checked. I am still ready. You know what makes me ready? I do not. Helicella? Helicella. Damn right. I've got an art car. So we're dealing with the, not necessarily, well, yeah, they're definitely the competing major minor breweries in Houston. Yeah. St. Arnold and Carbach. I found an IPA in my fridge, and I did not put it there, and I suspect it was yours, so I put it in here, too. What was it? I I don't know. It's a blue can. Right, an art car. Hipster. Oh, that was mine, yeah. Hipster. Hipster sauce? Yeah. That's a... I wouldn't touch that. I wouldn't touch it. It's not bad. Well, I had the art card the other night at the the old ninety seven. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of a nice introduction to an IPA. I mean, you get some of the West Coast ones that I really like, and they, like I said, they'll rip your tongue off. It's phenomenal, but you can't just walk right in and start doing that. Everything will go bad. Uh, St. Arnold's art car is a it's a nice uh, flyover IPA. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I guess I don't know. I hate that phrase, by the way. Flyover? That is such a, an inherently offensive term. Yeah, that's why I use it. Yeah, I know. It's, that's how it's, it's, that's it's, how we're looked at. It's, I know, and it's like it's it's no wonder the elitists are shocked all the time. Like, well, you say you waste, you say West Coast. Yeah, but well, there's there's West Coast and an, an East Coast IPA. Oh, they're, uh, they're they're distinct styles. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so, well, this you are a brewmaster, well, which I never was. So I well, you yeah. know a whole lot more. You brew beer for a living at one I, point I did in time. For a little bit of time. Yeah, and I have not. So you're more educated right. when it comes to hoppy things, right? So yeah, I mean they're definitely different flavor profiles. You got your hazy, you got your West Coast, you got your East Coast IPA, and they're all very good in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And could you call it a Third Coast IPA? Sure. Oh, really? You think there's a distinctive third coast? No, I just said that because I like the sound of it. I think it sounds better, and I'm all in favor of the microbrews and doing exceptionally well, and IPAs have been dominating the microbrew market for – it's been a really long time now. I mean, I don't know if it's ever going to really go away. It's 
too strong of a style to really maintain its dominance that it has. But, I mean, it keeps going. Mm-hmm. People still want an IPA, and it's always shocking to me. As long as they pay for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that there, at this point there always will be a market for it. I, I certainly hope. Um, it just always cracks me up when the big boys start doing the pseudo craft brews. And invariably they do okay versions, but they're still never as good as you know the true independence that oh like all of the Budweiser uh, line that came out to compete with the dog's head fish yeah, ale yeah yeah and uh, dogfish dogfish man, head they, ale dogfish head yeah that, whatever the hell it is but man they make a good beer they are just remarkably inconsistent yeah but they there was a while there and I only know this because I saw something on Netflix which mm-hmm. was they put out this type of beer and it was like the next week right. Budweiser pushed a beer out that was the same color tone on the label. And And they're good at what they do. They really are. But it always cracks me up. What was it? Was it a commercial for Bud Light where they have the ingredients now listed on the case? And it's like water, barley, hops, rice. And you're like, rice is supposed to be there. (laughs) Rice is not a good thing to have in your beer. It's not good. But it's like, well, okay, I guess you're being transparent, but not enough of the general public realizes that yeah, those adjuncts usually don't add anything of value. It just cheapens the product and makes it easier to mass produce. And I'm, I'm in favor of mass production mm-hmm. and I don't have a problem with Budweiser or Bud Light or anything. I'm not drinking it, but you know, it's got a place and it's yeah. fine, but it's like, I look at it and it's go, ah, yeah, I'm not a purist or anything like uh Ryan Heights mm-hmm. or whatever. The German beer purity yeah, law. That you have yeah. some people who are like, if it does not follow Rhein Heinzkebote, it is not like that. Yeah, I'm kind of like that. If, if it doesn't follow it, I'm not necessarily going to dismiss it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to look at it a little suspiciously. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot of different things where I'll have it where it doesn't fall within these very strict parameters, and that's fine. You know, I love the Helicella. I had, oh, I had, it's, they They do... Carbox got a lot of shit for getting purchased. Car, Carbox's doing a, a pretty they, good job of good keeping my interest. Yeah. In fact, that leads me to I'm going to add something at the end of our my endless list of what shit to talk to about. What we need to do is do a microbrew tour of Houston because there's quite a few of them now. It's kind of insane. Yeah, I think we've got thirty. It's fucking bananas. And of course, the fourth largest city in the country, so it makes sense that it would be. But I mean, some of them are really good. Like Eighth Wonder makes some freaking good brews. Yeah, I like the Dome Foam. Dome Foam is really it's really good. What it is, yeah. it's really good. Right. It's like if Bud was good, it'd be dumb. <laughs> I can I can get on board with that. Buffalo Bayou makes the weirdest beers in Houston for sure, and their stuff is generally speaking very good, but it's definitely weird. And I know it's not an independent anymore. I like Shiner fine. I mean, I'm not going to hold not being an independent against anybody. Like I also drink Carbock, and they're not strictly. A, independent as long as they're still making their own beers and they're just getting an influx of cash to increase their business well it doesn't bother me at all this is the perfect opener yes we're talking for the bonus episode for the bonus episode yes talking about total beers before we get into movies okay so getting into movies yes right real quick yes so you know we were setting up for this and i looked over your shoulder well you weren't there so i wasn't looking for your shoulder currently is we have your criterion collection yeah and I noticed that you have them set up in alphabetical order. Uh, yeah, not spine numbers. Not spine no. number. Right. This... So I could find them. Oh. You have yours by spine number? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got mine totally by spine number. And I can generally speaking find what I'm looking really? for. Really? Yeah. I would need a directory. 
well, that's part of your personality. I'm kind of surprised you just don't have a Dewey Decimal System to find all of your media. Well, I used to. I know. So why would it stop now? Too busy. It just kind of got lost. Like I, when I was a kid, I had a VHS collection, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I put three movies on on a VHS tape. That's uh, when you rode your woolly mammoth to school and shit like that. Yeah, back in the so day. Long ago. Yeah, so long ago. And every time my mom went to Target, she would just pick up a couple of uh, uh, blank tapes at Target. Right. And this was back when it was you could easily record VHS off of of uh, regular broadcast regular TV. broadcast TV or HBO. HBO, yeah. I I had hundreds of videotapes, mm-hmm. and and so I guess I suppose I had thousands of movies, oh, yeah. and I had to card catalog them. So I had a um, I had a three by five card system, mm-hmm. an index card, and I I tagged each one through the alphabet A one A two A three, um, well actually no it was it was uh, A one B B one C one. So you went through the alphabet and then to Z one, and the, so the first twenty six tapes. And so then I, I had a card, a three by five card with every movie on it with the identifier. So if I wanted to find Back to the Future, I went through the card catalog system to find Back to the Future, and it would say Z1. Right. And then that's what tape it was on because obviously you couldn't record them in alphabetical order. That's impossible. Sure. So I had several of those series. I you know I had A2 and then A3 and then A4. And I still have some uh, floating around here somewhere, and I've even got this. Uh, VHS to DVD recorder, which holy shit, you do? Yeah, which uh, I found. Um, don't ask me; it's a twenty-minute story. But I, I got it, and and I've, I, I even bought a twenty-foot uh, HDMI cord. Okay, this is one of the first HDMI's uh, ever on the market. So it's got VHS, DVD, and, and HDMI. HDMI, which which I I went ahead and roped around the study to feed into the uh, uh, HDMI two port on right. the screen. So. I did that so I could just very easily swap things here instead of walking up to the console. Because that is a distance. I'm giving you. Yeah, a yeah. Um, it, it says something about my devotion to movies that I don't <laughs> want to get up and walk across the room to change a channel. Right. You know, I think of Jack Lim in the apartment with Shirley MacLaine. He's got the the clacker. Right. On the uh, uh, whatever the fuck coffee table. Anyway. Um, Yes, I. So that's what I. So I could not do spine numbers. Like I, w- I would know that See, Seven Samurai is in the in the beginning because that's like two or seven or something. Uh, but I couldn't remember. But I couldn't remember anything else. Yeah, okay. I do know that that sale that you told me about last month, where it was um, yeah, fifty percent off. Fifty percent off the Criterion. So, What'd you get? um, I got. We can come back to it. I don't remember what I got, um, but Luke wanted Silence of the Lambs. Okay, well, yeah, that's a detour. I got detour. Got detour. I got detour as well on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I and, saw it. and Silence of the Lambs on Blu-ray as well. Okay, cool. You know, and just last week I was listening to the projection booth, and what movie did they go over? I can't remember it. And there was, it was well, it's it's December, so I think they're doing. Um, um, sci-fi, the man who fell to earth. Okay. And there was, there was a woman who was talking about, um, uh, the criterion release of the man who fell to earth, which I haven't gotten yet. I want it really bad because I'm a David Bowie fan. And uh, she was talking about how criterion was slipping the past year on their past couple of years on their, uh, bonus features. Well, they're definitely, well, they've gone away from commentaries as you know, um, it wasn't standard, but it was pretty common, and yeah. it seems to be a lot less common now. Why is that? Um, I think a lot of it is, and this is speculation as opposed to any 
potential part of knowledge. I think that back in the Laserdisc days and the early DVD was that people weren't expecting any kind of compensation. That's kind of the impression. Oh. They talk about the, you know, it'd be an afternoon. They'd sit there and talk about it. But I think now that there's more of an expectation of the participants to get some kind of yeah. money. And I think that, I, I think that's as much as anything. I, I could be totally off base and don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Well, I definitely don't know what I'm talking about, but I think I've read that somewhere. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, that was one of um, one of Charlie Sheen's big problems at the end of his whole tenure at uh, Three Men. What is it? Yeah, Three and a Half Men? Two and a Half Men. Yes. This TV show was the, you're putting out these DVDs and there's all this bonus content and I didn't get paid for any of that shit. Right. And that's perfectly valid. And I totally get. Yeah, I totally get. Yeah, as an actor, particularly a working actor, you're, you're with a union. Your image yeah, is being used to sell totally stuff. Makes sense. Yeah, commentaries. I mean, I I understand that. Um, but we are in a world in which everything is just sliding down to we want it for free. Yes, absolutely. You know, we want our software for free. We want our music for free. Right. And uh, now it looks like we're moving the opposite way on movies, though. I remember there was a time like, I will watch bullshit shot in a Chinese theater with mm -hmm. bad subtitles because it's free. Right. And people were downloading that. And I remember the whole scandal over the Phantom Menace mm -hmm. and all of that. And, and um, but now it seems like people are moving the other way of, no, I want to see it in a theater. I don't know if that's accurate. BitTorrents seem to be sliding away. Well, I think BitTorrents are probably getting sliding away because I'm, I'm guessing is you're getting a lot more proliferation of legitimate streaming services. Right. Right. Well, they're Where, paying for it. Well, yeah, but it's, yeah. A, it's a flat fee. It, it is a flat and, fee. And, and it is fairly, It's a low fee. It's, yeah, it's fairly competitive, yes. right? I mean, Netflix is, what, $14? Netflix, man. And Hulu is four ninety nine, and I mean the Disney Plus is be, like six a, bucks. Yeah, it seems, it's a it's a it's a perfect spot, and that's that's my guess. I don't know. Um, I think that um, I I don't know if people are willing to pay movies pay to see them in the theater or not. Um, and so much of it is so out of whack because the cost per ticket has gone up so much, right? Because mm -hmm. once upon a time in Hollywood, made a good deal of cash. Yes. But I don't know how many individual viewers that equals. And, right. and a lot of that was repeat. Right. And so I, I don't have a good feel for that at all. Um, we know that there's some things that, to a certain degree, are taste proof, right? Which doesn't mean they, they're bad, right? I mean, the new Star Wars movie is going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And it almost doesn't matter if it's good. Right. It'll still make a lot of money. Just like the last two. Right. I thought that man, what we're going to. Yeah, that sidebar. Yeah, sidebar. But. But I, you know, the thing I'm, and I'm, I was thinking about this earlier today is this year, I can't think of a whole lot of movies I actually wanted to see, but it seems like right now there's actually a pretty significant number that I'm either interested in that either out or are coming out. Now, will I get a chance to see them? It's unlikely yeah. just because life. I, I'd have to go through my list. I've got the the list up on my, my whiteboard and mm -hmm. I'd have to see how many of those are, are this year as far as new releases. Um, I, Luke and I were talking the other day. We, we went to go see Ford V Ferrari. I want to see that. Yeah. And of course I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, I, I can't believe this, but I'm a huge cinephile, but I don't give a shit about what's coming out until I walk through that door. What do you mean? 
uh, like I went there, I just saw the poster and I saw one trailer and I said, uh, Matt Damon, Christian Bale, Ford, Ferrari, I'm in. Cars, you're in. I, I love the Shelby Cobra Mustang. Right. You know, I'm a big Mustang fan. And I know everything, well, not everything, but I'm familiar with the Carol Shelby legend mm-hmm. uh, because I'm a GT fan. But, uh, you know, I walked in that theater and sat down and I saw that credit by James Mangold. And I was like, oh, yeah, so this is going to be great. So you weren't really aware I, of that Clueless. Either. Okay. Clueless. Uh, and there were people popping up in it that I was like, oh, that guy. Well, yeah. I didn't know that he was in this either. Was that is that due to your uh, lack of interest or is that more due to kind of a concerted effort not to be spoiled by shit, which is kind of where I'm going? Well, well both. I don't want to be spoiled by shit. Right. Um, that's that's increasingly pissing me off. Yeah. And it's really no different than it always has been. Right, it hasn't. Yeah, the, the the theaters themselves were very horrible about spoiling stuff for you uh, in order to get you to to come and see right. it. And somewhere around um, the Force Awakens, I was like, "That's it. Done. I don't. I don't want to know." I'd done it selectively in the past. Like I remember specifically for the Matrix Reloaded. Right. I was like, I don't want to see anything. I don't want to know anything. Well, I the better. Right, because because I went into the Matrix. Uh, com- totally completely blind. Yeah. I went to Fight Club completely. I saw one yeah. trailer for Fight Club. So, okay, so yeah. So I, I'm going to the other the other part of it is like I just do not like. I used to be that guy who went on the Dark Horizons. Yeah, I would too. And, right. and you just to had to know everything, possible, right? right? And and there's nothing to um, uh, Garth Franklin who runs that site right. or Ain't It Cool News or whatever. It's, you know that's what they want to do. I don't want to. I don't yeah. wanna put it down for people who want to know. I just don't want to know. Right. No, I've got to the same you know, point. I, I want the experience. Because, <laughs> like, the new Star Wars movie, I think I saw the first trailer, and I've kind of... I, mean, I haven't seen any of it. Yeah, I saw it, and I'm like... Okay. It comes on the theaters, and I look, my kids make fun of me. I literally put my fingers in my ears, and I rub them back and forth, and I hum. <laughs> I'd make fun and, of you, And people... And when I... when I And my kids elbow me so to say, it, it's it's over, and then people are looking at me like, you're a fucking weirdo. And I don't care. I just don't want to be spoiled. It, you know, uh, last year, the year before... I took Luke cold into mm-hmm. Colossal. I don't know that. Uh, it's um, and we had to drive into the city to see it, but um, it's a Anne Hathaway kaiju. Oh, okay, movie. okay, that's the one where she's an alcoholic and yeah. like the monster mimics her yes. movie. Yeah, I've not seen. I know. Of yes, it, great film. I've heard it's actually yeah, great film. I I did not. All I heard was uh, Kevin Smith on Smodcast talk mm-hmm. about <laughs> all. I'm going to say. Anne Hathaway kaiju movie. That's it. Go see it. And I said, I got to see that. I'll, I'll that. And so I took Luke and, and he, he had no fucking clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just saw a monster on the poster. Anne Hathaway's not even on the poster. Okay. Just saw a monster walked in and Jason Sudeikis was in it. And, 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 uh, we walked away again, like pumping our fists. Yeah, that was, that was, you, you know, maybe not a great movie, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I like having that feeling. Yeah, it is nice. And it's pretty uncommon. Where you can walk out and say, man, that was so much better than I would have guessed it would have been. Or deserved to be. Right. Or, you know, and the less you know about it, the higher the odds of that happening. Yeah, because it could have been the shock value. It could have been one of those films that you could have walked out of and like, well, that was okay. Yeah. But if you had any expectations or Mm -hmm. knowledge, it would have been maybe very different. I like not having any expectations. Oh, I do too. Yeah, I do too. But, I mean, movies have gotten so expensive to go see and correlate. That's one of my questions we're going to talk about later. What's that? Uh, we'll get there in time. Okay. 
But I, so I tell you what, though, there are there is a shit ton of stuff that's coming out that I want to see. Yeah, the, the good year we were talking about. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's a good year or not. It'll be one of those that at the end of the year have kind of tracking it. But you have um, okay, so there's Ford v Ferrari, which I want to see, and I haven't. I've heard it's quite good. The Irishman. Uh, the Irishman. I still want to, see, and that's just driving me crazy that I haven't seen it. Nicole didn't know it existed, and she was like, "Oh, I saw." It. And she was flipping through Netflix. I think it was a work. Like, oh, there's. Oh, we got to watch that with Dave. You know, so she couldn't watch it, which I really totally love her and appreciate that. She's like, "Oh yeah, we got to watch this." But um, there's 1917. I yeah. Think was, like, really intriguing. Um, what else was there? There was a bunch of stuff, actually. There was the Helen Mirren. Um, oh, with, uh, with uh, Ian, Ian McKellen? Yeah, that looks really good. I, uh, the Best Liar or something like that? Yeah. I'm so out of it right now in regards to... You should just read up my list over there and see... And that's that's oh, once upon well, a, once upon a time in well, Hollywood. Of course, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about ones that haven't are, are come coming out, out yet. Oh, well, we got a yeah, we got a Bond film coming out next year. Yeah, that yeah. looks interesting. I, I did see the uh, the um, saw the uh, trailer for it. It was like, oh yeah, it's a Bond movie. Okay, um, hang on a second, and please, people. Knives Out. I really want to see. I want to see out. Knives Out. Yeah. Um, that looks. I want to really see Motherless Brooklyn, which is out of theaters. Bro- yeah, that looks very good. Um, I don't want to see Cats. Um, there's like four or five other things, and it's just not calling up on any site that I was. Well, they're, at. in a couple of weeks, they're showing Taxi Driver. Oh, at, are they in River Oaks? That's an old movie. And but. yeah, and yeah, that doesn't qualify for what we're talking about. No. But you know, Luke wants to see it pretty bad. But oh yeah. But I mean that's that is not a feel good flick, but it's freaking good. Yeah. But there was there was just a, a high God, line. Feel good. It flick. is certainly not that. But that's I mean that's it's kind of one of those things where it's uh it's a classic. Mm-hmm. I mean it's a really and it got remade. Yeah. So. Taxi Driver got remade. Yeah, Joker. It's Taxi Driver. You know that, right? It is. He makes up his own re- his whole his whole reality. His relationship with the neighbor is very similar to what you know Robert De Niro's you know relationship in his mind was with Sybil Shepherd. You know he wants to be worshipped, so he goes on this killing spree at the end to rescue Jodie Foster or impress Ronald Reagan. I can't remember. And then in Joker, it's the same type of thing, although it's not as necessarily on purpose. But he is celebrating, you know, he's one of those things where in Taxi Driver, you remember after it ends, that's, not after it ends, but at the end of it, after the shootout, you know. He's in the cab with her. He's in the cab with her, but she knows of the event, right? So you get this impression that it's been kind of glorified in a, you know. In the press. In a vigilante press sort of way, which, you know, she was, you know, you kind of get the impression that either she's impressed with his actions or he's interpreting her as being impressed. It's kind of unclear, right? But in Joker, I mean, he definitely does a similar type of action, and he is, but it's not subtle there, right? There's this whole group of yahoos who thinks he's great. But, I mean, I thought it was a total taxi driver. If not a remake, then, I mean, it's stronger than an homage. That's for sure. Well, I definitely saw the homage, and I I got a lot of things down here about the Joker Mm -hmm. uh, for us to go through. Um. I mean, I had read that about the similarities, and I suppose that the 
the chasm of difference for me was that at the end of Taxi Driver, uh, well, Travis Bickle mm-hmm. was going to assassinate a politician. Right. And I wouldn't say he chickened out at the last moment. I'd say that at the last moment, he realized that unlike his previous actions, say, in Vietnam, because he was a veteran. Right. The guards were, the bodyguards were tipped off, and he didn't think he was going to make it out alive. Right. He made a conscious decision. He, he made a conscious it. decision to stop it, because it's not because it was going to be a bloodbath, because he was perfectly fine with it being a bloodbath. Yeah, he just didn't think it would be successful. But like every soldier, every soldier, they don't go into combat thinking, I'm not getting out of this. They go into right. combat think, thinking, there is a reasonable chance of success, and I'm going to survive this, and I'm going to go home. And, um, and I didn't see that. And so the, the finale where he, he ensues, the, the bloodbath ensues mm-hmm. and he, he barely survives that. Right. That could have just as easily been the, the shootout in the broad daylight with a politician and mm-hmm. tons of dead people lying around. So, so to me, um, he was equating them. Um, one bloodbath was no different than the other bloodbath right. just because it took place in a harlot's den. It, the press created a, yeah. they glorified him because he would have been a demon instead of an angel. Sure. Right. And, um, but I think that's one of those reasons why I didn't see that in Joker. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons. And don't get me wrong. I thought Joker was a, I'm glad they made the movie. Right. I, it's hard to say if you liked it, right? I can certainly admire it, you know, and I, I'm really glad it was made because, like, okay, this is a really interesting take. I mean, you don't want to say I enjoyed it because I don't know if it's one of those. Oh, right. man, I think I enjoyed it. Well, yeah, that, that's fine. But it's also one of those that it's like, okay, so like Raging Bull. Another score say Did not enjoy See, it. See, I think that's great. I think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. But it's also one of those that you really, when I, at the end of it, it's like, okay, I'm going to go shower. Right, because these people are all terrible and it's all grimy and this is just rough, but it's so well done, right? That that's kind of how I felt about Joker. Not that I thought it was near as good as Raging Bull, because it's just not. But I think it was really good, and I'm glad they made it because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this is really interesting. Right. You guys aren't doing the same thing, or you guys are, you know, you're just trying to tell the story you're trying to make. You're not trying to check any boxes, right? Which was really refreshing. But, I mean, I did think it was highly influenced by... And that's not a criticism, but I do think that Taxi Driver is a much better movie. Duh, I know. But it's also one of those where, like what you were talking about... I don't think that's a duh. I, I think that Joker... I mean, Taxi Driver is a classic. Yeah. There's there's no doubt about that. But, I mean, the things you were talking about, it's like, okay, he made this decision not to shoot the politician, the, the press, you know... You know but, there was, but there was no point. I mean, the Joker never had that chance. There was, there, was no, there, was, there was no time in which the Joker was going to do something heroic, even though he saw himself as a heroic person. Well, I don't that's think not, Bickle did anything heroic. Uh I don't. I think Bickle was able to sell himself off as heroic after he slaughtered four or five people. I don't think, I don't think he tried to sell himself. Right? I, oh, I, th- I think that was, I think he tried to sell himself to to Jodie Foster as heroic. Okay, that's. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And to Sybil Shepherd, right? Well, certainly, but he, I mean, he was. I don't know if he was. 
I understand your point. I don't know if I, I may, I, may, I get that they're both creating retract. fantasies. Right. I, I, I yeah. retract. So that, that's, that to me is why to, it, it didn't seem like that much of a remake to me other, other than like the. And remake from my, may have been a bit strong. Right. But I mean, it was definitely a, it was, my impression was it was trying to be a taxi driver for the now. I, I could I could see it using Taxi Driver as a model. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly like the the entire William Friedkin slash Martin Scorsese New York you yeah, know, I mean, environment, the taking of Pelham one two three. Mm-hmm. And the list is endless. The Seven Ups, just how New York looked, and right. recently the Kitchen with uh, God uh, Melissa McCarthy, which most enough did not see most people did not see, and I think I most it, most people are missing something. It's again, it's not it's not this great thing, but it's better than uh, but it, it had it was way better than I expected it to be. Okay, and she's and she has zero comedy in it, really? which I think is what sells it. Which is probably why it didn't make a whole lot of money. It's probably yeah, right, because they, they went to go see her, and then like, why is she not funny? Right, yeah. no, I didn't see. It. I know what I know what it is. But. Yeah, and James Badgedale was in it. It was, I, I, anyway that that environment is completely taxi driver esque. But yeah. you know, so was um, so was bringing out the dead. Oh sure, 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 sure. You know, so it's it's not it's not but an it, unknown it's also trope. One of those things where you know popular entertainment over the past you know five years or whatever. You know, it's I mean. Not exclusively due to the Marvel movies, but definitely influences. It's pretty clean, and that's fine. I've, that's not a criticism. I don't want all my entertainment to be gritty. That's why the DC universe didn't really work all that well, because it was gritty, but it wasn't done well. Whereas the Joker was really gritty, and I thought it was done really well. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Deadpool would be the gritty side of Marvel, right. the, the Fox side, but which still- might be going away now. Uh, I doubt it. I hope not, at least. I, I hope not either. And they were talking about, you know, um, enveloping the X-Men into yeah. into Deadpool and taking in that direction. Did you watch the Marvel Netflix shows? I did. Yeah. Well, I watched uh, Jessica Jones season one and then all of Daredevil. I mean, because those are much more. They're, they're grittier. Marvel. Yeah. I mean, much no, more than well, Deadpool. Jessica Jones is a mind fuck. Yeah, like it that. is. It's That's really, really hard. Yeah. And and Luke tells me I need to watch The Punisher. I'm halfway through uh, Iron Fist. I'm having a hard time finishing Iron Fist it. is not good. Yeah, everybody it's says not that. not good. You're not, I mean, it's not good. But I hear The Defenders is entertaining. It's good. Yeah, so but I need to finish it. The Punisher is a rough watch. I've only watched season one. I haven't watched season two yet. Luke Cage is, season one is not, the first half I like season, that actor, the guy who yeah, plays. Yeah, he's really good. The first half of season one is pretty good and then it tails off quite a bit. And season two is really interesting and it's unfortunate it got canceled because at the end of season two, you're like going, okay, I'm really interested to see where yeah, it goes. Yeah, it's going in someplace good, yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, hopefully Disney Plus picks up, you know, one or two of those. What are you supposed to do on the Hulu? On the Hulu? Yeah, I think Hulu, Hulu will be Disney's more adult-focused. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Okay. Well, what I mean, what I saw in the, in, in the Joker, mm-hmm. and I specifically asked you to watch it so we could talk about it, is, you know, I saw... The controversy around the film and mental health just – it seemed like everyone who had a comment about the Joker and mental health just A, didn't watch the fucking movie right. or B, didn't know anything about mental health. It it's, it just seemed like they – you know, they Todd Phillips specifically, you know, they, they called him out and used all kinds of names and – Called them careless and uncaring with about people who were struggling. It's all with, about people who are trying to get I, likes on the internet. You, you know – 
that going back to the social network, you know, that's the world that we live in now. But, uh, you know, I saw why the Joker was the way that he was without watching an origin movie. Yeah. I didn't need that. Uh, you didn't need that. Go on. Uh, well, well what, I, what I was getting at was, uh, you know, I, there's part of me that, okay, go on. I'll come back to it. I'll come back okay. to it or I won't. Um, I didn't, I wasn't interested in, in, in another origin movie. And I don't think that this was an origin movie, but I, I saw a very realistic reasoning as, as to why he turned out to be the person that he was. That was what was a, a rational progression mm-hmm. of a mixture of very bad things happening in society right. and very bad decisions on his part. Mm-hmm. And so there, not to blame everything on society, but he, there was a lot of individual choices that he was making that oh, were, yeah. were not very good. And it was why he was evil. But if you're struggling with mental health issues, it's going to, it's going to be harder to, to make those, those correct determinations. And we live in a world in which there's a lot of people out there struggling with those types of, of situations and, and they buy guns and they walk into schools and it's, it's just, it's a fucking nightmare. And here's a movie that that has the bravery uh, to take that uh, topic and explore it and run with it and, and tell a story in a in a comic universe right. uh, that addresses that problems. And 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 this this happening the same month as um, one of our greatest artours, Martin Scorsese, comes out and says that's not fucking cinema. You know, there's well, no risk in that. And they look at the Joker. The Joker's full of risk. Yeah, I mean, I. I... I'm conflicted on that. I tend to, I find it very strange because it's one of those where I understand what Scorsese is saying and I agree to a degree, but it's also one of those things where it's, I mean, the the comic movies of now are no different in my mind than the the Westerns of the, the series right. of the 30s. Exactly. Right, exactly. You know, the, exactly. There's always a place for that kind or of. Or Tom Mix yeah, in the 20s. It's just or... kind of the way it's, you're, there's always a place for pop entertainment, in my opinion. But I think the. My speculation is that he was referencing where they're like, okay, this is all we have right now, which it, well, that's not true either. I know, I know it's not true, but it's also definitely the dominant media entertainment from the movie perspective right now, right? There's not a whole lot of, I mean, if you look at the top 10 box office hits of this year, I mean, you do have two movies that are a, adult focused right i'm at least i'm presuming well i mean this is why we have boxofficemojo.com right. i mean because i'm assuming in the top 10 of 2019 you have you know joker and once upon a time beyond that i would think that the remainder are going to be exclusively superhero and animated which is an imbalance I have domestic for 2019. Right, so you have the Avengers Endgame, number one, I presume. it made. Like well, and Captain time. Marvel came out this year, too, didn't it? I don't know. I think so. Yearly. Avengers Endgame, obviously, is number one. Right. Lion King, number two. Toy Story, number four. Captain Marvel, number... I'm sorry, Toy Story number... Toy, Toy Story, Story 4, 4 number, number three. 3. Thank you. Captain Marvel number 4. 
Spider-Man Far From Home, number five. Aladdin, number six. Joker, number seven. Mm -hmm. Frozen, number eight. It, chapter two, number nine. Ten is us. So you are literally talking about eight out of the top ten are Disney films. Yeah. Well, you know. Is it? Yeah. Uh, well, seven out of the, no, yeah, seven out of the top ten. Frozen 2, Aladdin, Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, Toy Story, Lion King, King, Avengers. Yeah. And my, like I said, my speculation is what he was getting at was it was just too, too leaning that way. fine. I want to know, I'll do the research later, what Martin Scorsese film has dominated the box office Ever. Oh, um, never. I mean, yeah, it doesn't happen. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, Departed is probably his most yeah. financially successful. Right. Even that, I would be surprised. And I'm not knocking the guy. Oh, no. He's the you best. Know, yeah, he's, but right, he's, right. I have to say, out of, but he's he's directed a lot more films than people realize. He's directed like over 30 fil- oh, yeah. features, right? He's, he's very prolific. But if, you, but if you were to ask me, you know, which, which ones, like... I got to say the great majority of his films, I really don't care for, but, the, really? but his, but his okay. good ones are, are as Avengers. good as they get. Yeah. You know, I even like Kundun. Right. You know, nobody else did, oh, but, just... but I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like bringing out the dead, but you know, there's some people that Enjoy swear by it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But Marvel has had like 22 out of 23 hits. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying that Scorsese gives a shit about what's a hit or not because right, he doesn't. And I don't think there's any jealousy there. Um, but his comments, his comments about risk don't make sense to me. I mean, <laughs> Black Panther was a hundred and seventy million dollar movie with an all black cast. Yeah, how is that not a risk? Do you really think that was a risk, Captain? Yes, really. Yes, uh, Captain Marvel. Um, yeah, that would have been the does, first movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or the fourth movie maybe i could see it being a risk but something tells me by the time it came out eh, very little I that's, mean, that's risk, softened the blow right but i still think that that's a with a black director and He's, a black screenwriter i suppose you might be right but i mean as soon as i saw the first preview i'm like yeah it's gonna make it's gonna do fine it's, it's gonna do fine i foresaw it making a lot of money uh-huh. because of who was behind and yeah. in front of the camera but you could say the same thing about a lot of Scorsese's films that flopped. Yeah, but none of his stuff that I can think of is designed for mass entertainment. I mean, it's all designed for mass entertainment, but it's still a niche, right? I mean, you're not... I mean, he works within a, generally speaking, pretty specific zone. Right? Well, for that matter, Marvel does. No, that's I think not. I think Marvel is after something very specific so that they can make a All lot money. of money. Yeah, I mean it's it's an appeal to everybody, which and, I have no problem and with. Scorsese is making something that's very specific because that's what he wants to do. Yes, and that would be the difference between but auteur think, versus. Right. But if you ask Ryan Coogler, like Ryan Coogler did an interview with uh, Christopher Tapley mm-hmm. on uh, the the playback when Variety when he worked for Variety. And and he he said that uh, they asked him for his vision on Black Panther. Oh yeah. And he did a presentation on what he saw Black Panther to be. And they adopted, and they adopted it and said, "Yeah, let's run with it. Let's expand that." And it was Kevin Feige who who said that he was a Black Panther fan. Blah blah blah. But it was Kevin Feige who bought into his vision, not the other way around. Right. But there's also 
instances where that hasn't worked out, right? Because they had um, or Ant Man, um, uh, Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright. famously was forced out of Ant Man. Right. I don't know if that was a good choice or not, but well, yeah. I mean, I'm conflicted about it because I fucking love Ant Man. I thought it was really entertaining. But but I'm a huge Edgar Wright fan, and I would really like to see what he would have done with Ant Man. But I would, to a certain degree, I'd rather Edgar Wright make Edgar Wright movies. Right, and that's what he was going to do with Ant Man was make an Edgar Wright movie, and that's and that's where the conflict with. So I mean, I think that it's one of those things where they can certainly approve the director's vision and all that and get on board, but it's still something tells me it still fits a pretty narrow. Well, there, there are boxes to check, right? but I mean, there's boxes to check with anybody running the show. I mean, oh, yes, there is, but there are some, okay. So Scorsese is part of the film brat generation, right? Yeah. And those guys were given a lot of leeway. Yeah. And I don't see how, I mean, how many filmmakers have movies now that really you feel like they can just kind of tell the story they want to tell the way they want to tell it? There's maybe five? Not not that many, but there hasn't really, with the exception of, of the 70s, right? there hasn't been that many well, at I, all. I, no, I think you're wrong on that. Because I think what happened is that I remember, you know, lots of times where they didn't they weren't given a hundred million dollars right it was relatively small budgets you know there were minimal budgets but they still got put out there and now i don't think in the theaters you're seeing a lot of that they're going to netflix right they're going to hbo they're going to yeah but but i mean martin scorsese famously said that when when netflix bankrolled the irishman it was basically i mean it wasn't a blank check but it, it was a finite check, but there was no oversight. Right. He got you know? to do what he wanted to do. Yeah, and the great majority of the filmmakers at Netflix, that's what they say, is Netflix basically so just handed me the money, and they said, don't go over $3 million and then... Do what you want. Do what you want. Right. And so, I mean, I, I see Netflix as sort of guarding that auteur. Oh, absolutely. And that's, right. that's what I'm guessing that he was getting at, was that it's just kind of a shame that they're not getting exposure on the big screen. Because you know Martin Scorsese is very much a cinema guy. Sure. Right. It's sure. Not, it's not the motion pictures. It's going to well, the theater, seeing on the big screen. You know, I see what you're saying. And, and, and you and I both wanted to see The Irishman on the big screen. I went to go see it at it. River Oaks, right. and, and it was great. And But I will say that the, the people who don't want Netflix on the big screen are these fucking snobs in Europe who won't let shit like uh, The Other Side of the Wind play at con because it's bankrolled by Netflix and they're not a real studio. Well, and that's that really happened. Right, and right. as a consequence of that, it rolled. And, and so the film festivals started saying, yeah, we don't know if we want that film in our festival because it's got Netflix money attached to it. And as a result, probably one of the greatest films of 2018 uh, never got to enter the circuit. And Orson Welles was denied uh, several chances to be nominated for an Oscar for Best Director and John Houston for Best uh, Actor mm-hmm. for uh, a, a really fine film uh, because we've we've got these people who who think that film is only one end of art and Scorsese's comments really 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 point in that direction and that's what's really upsetting to me being such a fan of his right well I mean you might be right but I also know that for the Irishman I mean they 
net the impression I get reading the article is that Netflix really wanted to get into the theaters. Oh yes, but, oh yes. But AMC and some of the other large chains were not willing to understand. Well, well that's what I'm talking about. But yeah, I mean, Netflix wanted to have it in theaters exclusively for. I think they were willing to push it to 45 days, mm-hmm. and the theaters minimum agreed upon exclusivity was like 60 or 90. I'm Something not like sure that. Yeah. Was. Right. I don't know what the right answer is. I mean, it almost doesn't matter to me. Right. I would have liked to have seen it in, had the opportunity to see it in the yeah. Cinemark. Right. As opposed to have to get downtown. And I just didn't. Yeah. When it's out time. on one theater. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't make the time. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, not even exactly sure. Sorry. That's all right. You know, where we're going with that, to be honest with you. Well, and on that note, I mean, I... But I'm disappointed I haven't seen it yet. It twists me off. It's my own fault, and I find it very disappointing. So this is one of my questions. Is Marvel cinema? What about it? Why, why not? Because to me, Marvel is cinema. Oh, no. It, Marvel movies definitely are cinema. Because Scorsese <laughs> says it's not, because it doesn't have risk. Look, he's an 85-year-old man. <laughs> he may be... He probably is our greatest living director... But he's, it's a lot of people whose opinions I don't necessarily agree with. I'll still take their art. I mean, I think it is cinema. I think it's also um, purposefully appealing to everybody, which is less risky, but that's fine. Yes. Is there any risk in a Marvel film? I think there's minimal risk. Okay. Doctor Strange seems like a big gamble to me. The original? Or yes. The first movie? Yes. It's only a big risk. It's the for first movie. There's only one. They're coming out with a sequel. I know that. Yeah, in like 2022 or something. I think it's, it's yeah, okay. It yeah. doesn't matter. Right. Okay. Uh, that's a okay. That's Benedict Cumberbatch in a very strange American accent in in a a world that's yeah they definitely very well out. defined, but yes. it's kind of I mean it's a weird flick. It's a, yeah, it's an it's, acid trip. It's not a normal Marvel no, it movie. It's certainly not that. It's an acid trip. It's a, a lot, right, and yeah. there's also themes in that movie about reality and what we judge reality to be, and then how is that? How do we interpret that? Right. Not to get too psychedelic with it, but those are real themes. Right. It's kind of like uh, Iron Man really raised morality questions. Sure. About Tony Stark and Elon Musk mm-hmm. and how you know Howard Stark was a stand-in you know, this weird cross between uh, Howard Hughes and Walt Disney, right? You know, and there was a lot of weird things going on in Iron Man that I thought were very culturally relevant. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, and then putting him on the cover of Rolling Stone, and yeah, there's you know. a lot of things, but it's also one of those where there are some things you would never expect a Marvel movie to ever do, like anything that was in joker that would be very surprising yes. right if something like that happened in dr well, strange or deadpool was very surprising for a marvel movie yes and that was i mean since that was another the fox that banner, was the fox side so yeah it's hard to really say but i like the if they had released something in the tone of their netflix netflix shows in the biggest screen i think that would have been a risk okay okay that's i mean because you deal fair. with some very Unpleasant stuff. But like we were saying before, with the Hulk and Iron Fist, Marvel has failed. Oh, absolutely. Right. Well, have they failed or have they just not succeeded as well as other ones? Have they ever had a failure failure? Well, shit. Are they making another Hulk movie? No, they're not. But I think they're not making a Hulk movie because of the agreement with them and Paramount as opposed to 
or could it? I'm sure that there is an, an agreement. Or is it one of those where that it's wouldn't like, shock it's like me? You just can't seem to make a Hulk movie or standalone. I, I don't know. So is that not risk? I mean, does failure denote risk? I think uh, it, it, does. Does. it does. It does. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, see that point. Uh, Brie Larson, for all of her talent, is not known for being a very personable character on set. Okay. They threw her into a $130 million film um, gambling that they would bring her back for Endgame and, and in, or Infinity future, War, in future which, they, which they shot. They shot her scenes for Infinity War before Captain Marvel. Right. That, to me, is a risk. Yes. Yeah, so, so yes. you know, I'm not, I mean, Logan... My God, how is Logan and I, and I know that's on the Fox that's side of it. That's side. that's a James Mangold, Johnny Cash movie. Yeah, it's a... it's Which they did in black and white and released on Blu-ray. I mean, that to me is a risk. Deadpool... But that also is on the Fox side, and that does matter. Well, it is. It is. Right? I mean, it's not, it's not under the Disney family banner, and Disney has different companies that they release, right. you know, mature content less, under. Though. Yeah, um... Francis Ford Coppola. Mm-hmm. He just piled on because he's... What's, what's the last Coppola movie you saw? Tucker, A Man in His Dream? Okay. I, that's that's probably the last one I saw. It's probably not right, now, but it's probably pretty close. Now, what's the last movie of his you saw in the theater? Tucker, Tucker A Man, a Man in, in His, his dream. dream. Okay, I saw that in the theater yeah. as well. Okay. I mean, Coppola is not that relevant anymore. It's unfortunate. The man, I still think that he's a master. Well, of course. And I still think that he puts out quality films. And maybe that's what Scorsese was getting at, is that when's the last time Coppola even put out a movie? Well, I think it was, yeah, I think it's been over 10 years. But so it's like, is it one of those things? I think things The Rainmaker. Where, is it one of those things where he's pushing to make a movie and nobody's willing to give him money unless it is something like The Rainmaker where it fits within these studio parameters? I mean, so well, he called he, it despicable. He called Marvel films despicable, superhero I, I, movies despicable. I didn't read all the articles, right? Yeah. So my opinions are going to be pretty minimal. Because I just don't know enough about it, yeah. right? Because it was one of those that I saw, and it's like, this seems like one of those things that has no relevance to me in anything else, right? It's like, doink, I'm not watching it. I'm not reading this because I don't care. I'm going to watch people get all mad about some... Clickbait, clickbait. Like, I don't fucking care. He can say what he wants. It's like if Oliver Stone comes out and says something, it's like, yeah, I don't care what you have to say. I'm still going to see your movies, but I don't care. Well, right. Okay. So this so this gets back so to... I the... don't really know. I mean, I know that... I think Marvel movies come under a shit ton of unwarranted criticism, right? Where it's just like, oh, they don't matter. And it's like, I think they matter. I think they're grand entertainment. And that matters a lot to me. But it's also one of those things where I think that the fear of smaller movies not getting made is way overblown because it, it may be on the Netflix, it may be on the Hulu, it may be small movies that get released. I mean, Doctor Sleep came out, another movie I wanted to see. Yeah, great it, movie. See it. Great movie. But it was a relatively ambitious yet modest movie. But it was like, it seems interesting. That seems like a risky movie, mm-hmm. right? I think it's just one of those things where people love 
we live in this outrage culture and we probably already always have where people want to get mad about stuff. Well, it's more it's the outrage culture gets more uh, print space now because of social media. Sure. But like I think the DC movies are incredibly risky relative to the Marvel ones. Uh, no, I, I don't think I they're very good, but they're pretty risky. They're very risky. I mean, Suicide Squad really left a bad taste terrible. in people's mouth. You know, there were, but it was pretty risky. It, it was very risky. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I mean, Batman versus Superman is very the way risky. It's presented is pretty risky, but it's, it's, it's fucking terrible. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it's I mean, both of those films are confusing, but again, that goes back to what we were talking about with David Fincher and alien three right. of the, the visual style is really conflicting with, right. with, with the storytelling. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it all goes back to the, the, the auteur versus collaborative art, mm-hmm. you know, and we talked before about, you know, can the Godfather part two exist without Francis Ford Coppola? No. And, you know, no, it can't. Um, it can, but, but it would not be, it. yeah, nobody would be interested in seeing it. I'm, you know, I'm not particularly a good, a, a big fan of Black Panther. No, I don't think it's that great. I don't think it's, but, you know, does that movie exist without Ryan Coogler? No. No. I don't think so. Could Spike Lee do it? Sure. But would it be remotely as good? I guess I'm saying is what I'm trying to Probably. get at. Good being Spike such Lee's a relative. Excellent. I mean, he's he an, is excellent. He's an excellent filmmaker. So yes, him for sure. Would it be a better film? Would it be different? Do you th- it would be very different. Might be better. I don't know. It might be. I'd love to see Spike Lee make a Marvel movie. That'd be fucking fascinating. Well, in... I think that's where Marvel is trying to, certainly where Lucasfilm is trying to go, is to get these well, independent auteurs. Well, yeah, but then they get them in and then they fire and them. And they fire them, yeah. Which I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, for all these movies that get made, you would love to see the alternate version, right? Oh, I don't know. Uh, that alternate version of Rogue One does not sound very enticing I don't know, at all. but the trailer was amazing. The trailer was simply amazing. I mean, yes. it was probably the best Star Wars trailer, period. Yeah. And like, what, 30% of it ended up in the movie? Yeah. So I'd probably, I'd, I'd totally see it. Yeah, Tony Gilroy I mean, cut most of I would, most of I'm, I'm, if, if the Snyder cut for the uh, Justice League comes out... I want to see that. I'm going to watch that. I want to see yeah, that. Because Justice League was a fucking trap. It was terrible. Yeah. It was so bad. And there was no risk. Yeah. But, <laughs> there was uh, no risk in that movie. No. I mean, it's, oh, it's so bad. But I, I'll, I'll watch, I probably won't like it because I didn't like the other Snyder DC movies. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I'll watch it because he's trying. Yeah. But, I mean, that goes back to can Iron Man exist as we know it without Favreau? I, and, oh, no. I, I, no, oh, it no. cannot. Yeah. That was a huge risk. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, does that exist without Tidy Wakiki? I mean, I... Yeah, but in a, in a show that I don't really want to see, because the Thor movies I like, but they're not that great. Aside from that yeah. one, of course. Right. Well, I mean, Ragnarok made more money than the first two combined. I mean, right. there was something going on there that... It was it was really entertaining. Yeah. It was really but, I mean, that's the guy that did... I don't know if you've seen Jojo Rabbit yet. No, but I know. But oh, I've my seen, God. It's, it's just amazing. But I saw what we did in the shadows, and that counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So why? I, so why is DC left out when he? When, I mean, they specific both of those guys specifically ones, said Marvel movies. Well, because they're not very successful. There's three or four Marvel. So in order in order to have risk, you must have an element that is not successful. 
that doesn't sound like any, I mean, is that, is that the goal of the Snyder machine at DC mm-hmm. is let's create a movie that's not successful so it can be then called art by auteurs I, who I haven't really... made anything in 30 years. In okay, you Coppola's need to yeah, backtrack that to a singular phrase. It's a singular person. Yeah, but I think yeah. it's one of those things where, let's face it, you remember the Muppet Show? Yes. You remember the old two, guy, the two oh, old guys? Yeah. yeah. Waldorf and... and uh, it's not a story, but... You know, yeah, yeah, it's something. That's just... They're old grumpy <laughs> guys. <laughs> ah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I mean, who cares? Who cares? If Martin Scorsese doesn't like Marvel films, well, ultimately, okay. ultimately, it does not affect my life. No, but it, it will help move more episodes of this podcast. Oh, oh, I didn't consider that. Yeah. So, in terms of clickbait. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, I'm sorry. That's I, all right. I, oh, yeah, that's something I didn't even consider. But I mean, <laughs> fuck that guy. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Hack. Favorite director by far. Hack. Okay, so going back to the Joker. Yes. Jesus Christ. Backtrack. Joker. Yeah, well, I mean, we already, you know, we already covered a lot of this. Like, I mean, when I was watching, so much of it was affected. When, when I, when I, um, when I was watching the Joker, and I was watching the environment, and I remember certain shots that were coming right out of my head from uh, the French Connection and like the the steam coming mm-hmm. through the grate on the street. Oh yeah, it was so well there done. Was so many things. Don Phillips, and freaking. Amazing. Yeah, the the production design and everything, and there there were times where I, I was actually like, "Did Paul Schrader write this?" Probably could have. No, I mean I think I mean it looked like a Paul Schrader movie. Yeah, it did. I mean it was none of it was clean. It was all ugly, and it was really good. I mean, like I said, I don't know if I can say I quote enjoyed it in a quote, but I really liked. I it. enjoyed it. It's like, how do you, I don't know exactly how to best phrase it, right? But it's like, it's really well done. I'd watch it again, for sure. But it's definitely one of those things you walk out going, Ugh. Was Was it funny? Yeah. Yes. How is it not funny? I, I laughed several times at the film, even though I, I did have that sort of Tarantino, like, oh, I know I'm not supposed to yeah, be laughing at this. When, when the dwarf is trying to get out of the apartment. That's funny. Oh, my God. I felt so bad. But it's only funny because, I mean, there was legitimate tension, right? Huge tension. And it's one of those things. It's funny because it's tension relief. That's why it worked. I mean, if it wasn't legitimately full of tension, I don't think it would be funny at all. Right. But I thought it was really, you know, it was really funny because it was like, okay, this is so fucking terrible. No, I mean, I'm not conflicted on the movie at all. I think it was one of the best comic book movies i've seen i can't really think of a whole lot that were better i mean it was really well done is it topically late considering the whole occupy wall street ending don't care i mean i really don't care i mean i think that it's one of those things where based on the story they're telling it made sense right i don't care about its relationship to the real world. Just like I don't care if, you know, they portrayed mental health fairly or accurately. I don't care. All I want is a compelling story that makes sense within its own universe. And that one to me did. One certainly did that. I, I, I mean, I could give... I don't care about popular entertainment 
speaking about quote important matters end of quote it if they're trying to i'll probably dismiss it it's like yeah it's pretentious fucking bullshit and i don't have time for it it could be one of those things where it touches on it and you can see and you can interpret it that's fine i just don't get beat over the head with it and that's why i always have a problem with it i mean how many message movies does anybody truly enjoy nobody enjoys a message movie what message movies do you like? Oh, the Battle of Algiers. Okay, that's not a, that's not what I'm thinking of as a message movie. I mean, I'm thinking of message movies as those ones that just oh god, I, I'm, I'm Z. No, I'm thinking of just ham-fisted bullshit Grand Canyon oh, message movies. N- no, yeah, not. That's what I think of message okay. movies where there's no subtlety. It's just purely. Blah. Here is my mission statement and my moral stance. Well, no, okay, I get that. I get that. I think there's a way to convey the message without without hitting you with yes, the hammer. Yes, and that's, that's fine. That's what I mean. And that's what I want. Yeah. I want something that's open to interpretation. Yes. Well, I think the Joker is heavily open to yeah, interpretation. Absolutely. Okay. And that's what always confused me about a lot of the online criticism that I saw is that, oh, what do you mean it's open for interpretation? It's supposed to be very obvious. Incels are bad. It's like, <laughs> what? I don't understand. What are you seriously getting mad because my movie doesn't tell me that people who kill other people are bad? I kind of know that people who kill people are bad. Fuck you. If you can't get laid because of whatever problems you have going on in your mental or physical self, the Joker can't help you. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. But it's like, Okay, so this was always. Hello, Chella. Nope. Oh, dumb phone. Which is fine. What the hell is up? Hello, like, you know, people who got upset at, you know, you know, my, I think I've brought up something like this somewhere. I, I know people like my, my parents who, oh, we don't like The Godfather. Why? Because it glorifies gangsters. It's like, really? Yeah. Like, I didn't think that movie glorified gangsters well, at all. It does. I mean, Goodfellas totally glorifies gangsters. Goodfellas does glorify gangsters. But it's like, yes. it's one of those that if you walk away saying, oh man, I totally want to be a gangster. It's like, you're yeah. really... <laughs> you're fucked in the I head. I don't know what to tell That's you. That's why I hate Scarface. Yeah, it's like, yeah. really? Yes, I can't stand Scarface. But is that why you hate it? Or That's not like it? My, my, my main problem with Scarface is that it, it is essentially supposed to be a farce. Yeah, it kind of is. And yeah. and and De Palma. It's not like De Palma was joking, but he was he was hyper inventing. Yeah. Um, the characters and the situations, um, to to the point where there there are most lines are absurd. Yeah. Like Montana saying, "Oh, just a million here, million there, no problem." That's kind of okay. Like and and well, that's why people do like it. And if that's where it stopped, uh-huh. that'd be fine. Unfortunately, that's not where it stopped. Where it it, sure. it doesn't stop. It, it goes on to people, uh, and I mean real youths, you know, tattooing TM on their arm and getting into that lifestyle because they they worship so, Tony Montana. So you don't like the movie because what stupid people do? That's a good point. I don't like the interpretation 
that interpretation totally of the film. That's totally fair. I don't like that interpretation. But I really film. like. I but, don't. But go the by film life. encourages that interpretation. A lot of films encourage interpretation, depending on how you view it. You know, I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of movies with a lot of terrible people that I find very compelling. Yes. Right, and there are definitely people who are inspired by that. Not necessarily inspired to go kill people or whatever, but they, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna go get a tattoo of Tony Montana or whomever. I look at him just like you're Nimrod, but I don't hold it against the movie necessarily. Like, I th- I don't think of, I don't think Scarface is very good. I really don't. I I don't think it's a very good movie, but I kind of admire how De Palma totally went for it. Oh, he yeah. I mean, I kind of no, totally. He was 110 percent like, there. I'm doing coke with you. I mean, I totally dig it. I don't really think it's compelling. Uh, I think that it is compelling. But I think that, that might Michelle be probably... Pfeiffer was shockingly beautiful, as he usually is. Okay. Back to the Joker. Back one, to the Joker. One last question. Oh, we're still not even... Okay, go on. Does the network ending have a place? I'm not sure if I understand. Network well, with uh, Faye know, Dunaway. The network ending, though. Yeah, like the I mean, Joker. Ma- sp- spoilers, well. spoilers. You know, the, the Joker shooting Robert De Niro live on TV. And then, I mean, that's right out of the it network. It was perfect. It's the way that movie should have ended. But I'm not sure I understand the question, though. Yeah, that's that's what I'm, I'm getting at is, like, I, I, I found the minute the Joker came out uh, first of all, the little cameo by Mark Marin yes. being like Robert De Niro's little site. Uh, that, that was like perfect. Right. That was like perfect, perfect casting. And there's lots of that in the Joker that I think succeeds really well down to the guys in the locker room and right. the girl down the hall. The casting is perfect. Yeah, it, it's really well made. I yeah, really, and, like I said, I think it's tremendously yeah, well made. And even De Niro is the, uh, as the game, uh, the talk show host, you know, the, the, you know, that's fine. It's a very good casting. I, I just, really like, wish they would have gotten, uh, somebody else. No, well, Jimmy yes. Fallon. Yeah, Jimmy like Fallon like a real talk show host. Great. Yeah. Well, also someone who's got that. Per- I don't think of Jim- yeah, Robert, Robert De Niro is having not, that personality. Yeah, he's, not that guy. he's not like a Johnny Carson type no, of guy. He yeah. is not. But if you know, there's a lot of people like, like if you had Jamie Fox. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, I could. It would have been totally great. Yeah, that. Yeah, I could buy that. Yeah. I mean, of course, that's my predilection for Jamie Fox. I just well, think yeah, but great. I mean, there are some people that just have that. Thing, yeah, right. Well, he's and, got it, and I don't think, yeah, I don't think of Robert De Niro as having that particular gift. I mean, I think he was good in it, but I think, but regardless of all that, yeah, well, I thought the ending. I mean, I thought that part was really well done. Well, him coming out of the curtain and then, then like bitching at him, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you know, you're you you made His high you made moralizing uh, shit. yeah, and then um, I mean that was that was my least favorite part of the movie. I, not that I can't live with it. I can right. live with it that because I love the film. Part. Yeah. But, but I mean, it was just, it was awful. It was, you know, I don't know. I don't like network. I, okay. I just don't like network. I haven't seen it long enough. I to really have a strong opinion. I mean, I, it, it, to the point to where like, I, you know, I don't, and you know me, I'll watch bad movies over yeah. and over again. But you're mad at selling you I it do not care to watch network ever again. Sure. And one of the, one of the, one of the things that I remember about, um, I think it was Magnolia. Mm-hmm. That was uh, Philip Paul Thomas Anderson, yeah, PT right? Anderson. PTA. Um, he had everybody screen network before they made Magnolia. 
and that's in the special features. He's like, he, he's in the theater thing, and this is one of my favorite films, and this is why we're watching this and get this done. I was like, oh, that's why I don't like Magnolia. Okay. Because I hate network. Okay. I, I, I think that I will hate every movie that has a strand of network in it. <laughs> and, but I'm surprised I, I'm surprised I like the Joker so much right. because it's, it's, it clearly has that network ending. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. And I understand what Network is saying. That's not. That's not what I'm. I mean, I think that if there you were just a don't diff- like the movie, period. if there were a different director, mm-hmm. uh, I think the tone of the movie would be different, um, or even maybe just a few casting changes, like William Holden, for example. But it just the the whole thing just 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 twists me off. Like I, it's very rare I get angry about a film. Yeah, that one does. And, and that's a Network. I have no fucking time for that movie. Okay. Um, so, so I, it, it, it was kind of, I kind of did not like that particular ending, but we're talking about 30 seconds yeah. out of a two hour movie. So what are your, what's your, I can get over it. My opinion on what? The network component. Well, I mean, I just, I think that there were other ways to, I know that the, what they were leading up to, and I like the, I like the switch off of, it looks like he was going to blow his brains out live on TV. And then he chose instead to kill the. The host. Yeah. The host, which I suppose is, is like taxi driver. I can kill this politician or I can kill the pimp. Right. So, you know, I I get that choice thing. and But it to me, in the grand scheme of the movie and what the movie was achieving, um, it wasn't that big of a deal. Sure. I can, I can get over it. Um, what Network was doing, what Network was trying to achieving, I want no business of. So that would be the two differences. But, I, you know, but again, I think the Joker was brave. The Joker was definitely a risk. The Joker was taking on issues yeah. that... A lot of people made them uncomfortable. Yes. Didn't want to talk about, didn't want to, and, and, Not and that they wouldn't want as a popular entertainment. Right. Yeah. And it, and it wound up being popular entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Like, for sure. Bizarrely so. And, and I think it's, and I think it's popular entertainment because it takes on that risk. Probably. I find it very strange that it's this popular. Yeah, I know it's very strange I mean, for me it's, too. It's very strange. Like I'm not, I'm not surprised that I like it. No, but, but I am should, very surprised that the rest of the world does. Yeah, it doesn't strike me as a movie that should be mass entertainment. Right. Well, the negative, but I think that we're done with that. No, it might be. Well, let's we can always revisit. As far as my questions that I had written down for all this bullshit. Well, my question about that whole movie was: Would it be better if it wasn't a Joker movie? I mean, certainly it wouldn't have been made if it wasn't a Joker movie. Because it could, it could have been everybody. It could have been anybody. Right. And that's that's the one problem I have with the movie isn't really a problem with the movie itself, was that the Joker is better as a force of nature that has no explanation for me. Right? I mean, that's one of the reasons why I thought the Heath Ledger presentation was very effective. Brilliant. It's like, it's like there's no reason. And Brilliant. That's one of the scary things about life is when there's no reason for stuff. Whenever there's a tragedy, if there is a mass shooting, and I, you know, I don't want to use that. To, I'm not making light of that. It's like there is a desperate search as to the why. Yes. Right. And the worst Always. Thing, and the worst thing is when they're like, there is no why, you know? And that was always what that character Right. Was. The, the anarchy of the moment. Right. There's like, there's no why. It just is. Which, you know, it's like, you know, I'm not even 100% sure if the Joaquin Phoenix character is the Joker. I mean, the the age difference is ginormous, right? But, that, I mean, that's never mattered in comic books. We know that. But it's also one of those things where I, I, I could see it. You could spin it very easily if they made a third movie. Mm-hmm. 
where it's like, yeah, he's not the Joker. He's just the inspiration for that character or someone to glom on to. Well, there's another on. Joker project in the works. Oh, I'm sure. They're going to make this stuff until people are Well, it was, it was in the works before, before uh, Todd Phillips sold this, okay. this vision. And there were a lot of people that were criticizing uh, DC pursuing two Joker stories in two different timelines. Like this one was always meant to be like a one-off independent. Yeah, it seems to be a very... Yeah. Uh, but the the other Joker movie is supposed to be tied to Birds of Prey. Oh, the uh, the Suicide, Suicide Squad semi sequel. Yeah. Okay. So it's it it's supposed to be more in that vein, and sure. it's not going to be Jared Leto; it's somebody else. It's kind of unfortunate. I almost want to see it. Yeah, but but it's it's the same film that uh, they're they're bringing in Robert Pattinson and to play uh, oh, he's Batman. Batman, right? Yeah. yeah, that's very strange to me. It's very strange Michael to me was too. Very strange to me, and it worked out. So I reserve the right to. Watch. I don't, I don't know if it worked out, but I'm not one It was of interesting. Uh, interesting is another word for it. I'm not a Tim Burton fan. I'm not either. I think we've been How many this. Tim Burton movies do you like? Oh, fuck. You know, like literally like one. One, I mean, I mean two. Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm fucking, I've had it with that guy. Yeah, but if you take a look back at his filmography, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, okay. I, two. I can two. think of two. I two. can think of two I like. Okay. What's the first one? Oh, Beetlejuice. I mean, come on. Oh, Edward. Ed Wood? Ed okay. Wood, I think nah, I, I watched it again a couple of years ago. And I jumped off that bus. Really? Yeah, okay. I, I get what he was doing, and it's not nearly as offensive to me as some of his other stuff. Right. Uh, but I mean, I, it just wasn't entertaining to me. I mean, the two that I, I mean, Bill think, Murray's great. Yeah, well, Bill Murray's He's always great. Almost always great. I think I liked Ed Wood and uh, Edward Scissorhands. Fuck that shit. Okay. Fuck Edward Scissorhands. My God. I, hey, it just works for me. Holy shit. That's another one I get angry at. That's fine. I, I kind of get the feeling. <laughs> Fuck Edward Scissors. I kind of get the feeling. Jesus Christ. Um, I don't count uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Dark Dark Shadows. No. Uh, dark Shadows. I, I haven't seen it. I, I, I thought that was uh, Johnny Depp, Ava Green. I know what it is. I, I thought that was highly entertaining. I seen it, yeah. and, and that was one of those moments where uh, even like... I remember when Sleepy we... Sleepy Hollow was pretty good. I didn't like Sleepy Hollow. I, that was the one I was about to bring up where Sarah and I were going in and... Uh, and she said, are you sure? And you're like, no. And I said, man, I just, I'll keep my fingers crossed. Just walking out two hours later going, fuck again. But you know what? He definitely took risks. He did. I mean, if you look at Marvel movies and you're saying that they're taking risks, they're not taking risks like that guy does. He is definitely a or risk did. taker. Or, well, no, I would, I mean, I would say like Dark Shadows was a, a was that's a, was a, a risk. That's been quite a while. That's been about, well, when was it? 2010, 2011, doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, I was in Canada when it came out. Right. So it, it, within the last nine years, um, he definitely takes risks. He definitely does. He just doesn't. Man, you don't I, like the movies. I, just, I do not like his films I'm glad he all. makes them, though. Well, if he doesn't make them, somebody else will. And, and, and they, they would, make them as they good would, as him. They would only be better. I don't know if that's true or not. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was Sorry. a fucking travesty. Oh, it's, a, it's an abomination. Unwatchable. It's an abomination. I don't like it, but someone out there thinks it's a favorite movie ever. Yeah, and that would be would have been my son ten years ago. That's fine. You know, I I don't like it. Kids like it. That's fine, but it's one of those things where the movie's an abomination to us, but it's somebody's favorite movie. But if you put it in the hands of say a um, Brett Ratner, it would be nobody's favorite movie. Give me if another go, Brett Ratner. 
if you if you had Roland Emmerich in charge of that movie, oh, nobody's favorite oh, movie. Oh, yeah, I just saw his last one, Midway. Oh, God. Is it not good? Ooh, no. God damn, it could have been good. It's, uh, the subject, it, is, the yeah. subject is worthy of a it, good movie. Let me, but I will say this. It tries oh, yeah, really hard. It tries really hard, and it fails. But you know what? That's the whole thing with Risk, though, is that there's nobody on the planet where anybody says Roland Emmerich made my favorite movie. <laughs> nobody has ever said that, except for the six months after Independence. <laughs> but you know what? There's some people who like love. They love the Johnny Depp check, and they just do. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I don't think that happens. I don't think that happens either. Okay. All right. Uh, next. Next. Okay. Let me find out where I was. Man, holy crap. That had me in stitches. Okay. Yes. What up? So back. What up, home fry? Yeah. Let me cross off some of my earlier ones that I, I meant to open with because I did actually have like a chronological thing. Let's, that's, start, let's, that's start, right. let's go from there. We'll start with number one. Um, really, really backtracking here. What did you like about Kingdom of Heaven? The cinematography, as per usual with Ridley Scott, is always tremendous, right? It's always a beautiful canvas. It's a good-looking movie. Um, the scope, I like. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I don't really like Ridley Scott. I think I've come to that conclusion. But I like things that he... There's things that he does that I like a lot, right? I think that the performances from a general standpoint were very good. I just don't like the way he weaves them into the tapestry. It seems always very disjointed. But I thought... I mean, there's a lot about that movie that I liked. There really is. It's just overall, I don't find it satisfying. And I don't know if I can... And there's a lot of things I would change, and it would be a worse movie if I did it, obviously. But there, like we were talking about during the thing, is during the uh, podcast, rather, is I really thought he made a couple critical errors. Oh, Eva Green, I turned to. But I thought there was a lot of critical errors that he made that would have kept the investment higher. Like... That initial crew, you know, that initial band that he had where there was Liam Neeson and the guy from Rome and the big German. It's like you should have kept those characters throughout the movie and you could have had them die at various spots or make choices at various spots where there's an inherent investment, right? There's a lot of anonymity. I think that Edward Norton, as per usual, is great. I thought Saladin was really good. There's a lot that I like, which is why I find it so frustrating, is that there are so many components that I thought were excellent that, as a whole, it just doesn't work. Did I answer your question at all? Did yeah, no, it, it, no, no, that, that answers my question. Um, <laughs> what, no, that's okay. Um, <clears throat> I was just thinking while you were saying that about all the money in the world, which I haven't seen yet. Um, which is astounding. I've heard it's very good. Yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, when I think of a Ridley Scott movie, mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think of when you think of a Ridley Scott movie? It depends on my mood. 
Okay. Because immediately I'm thinking Blade Runner, Gladiator. I think Blade Runner, Alien. Kingdom of Heaven, Alien. Fantastic worlds. Yes. When I think Ridley Scott, I don't think Matchstick Men, Thelma and Louise. Oh, that's, I like that movie. You know? Yeah. And, and, but pe- people like them. Oh, yeah. But that's not what you think of when you think of no, Ridley Scott. I movie. certainly don't think of that. Right? Because he is known for building these. Massive. Yeah. Well, Black Rain. But Black Rain, which very problematic. I, how's that? But, uh, well, the racism. We're going to table yeah. that and come yeah. back. Yeah. Well, I haven't, I could not speak with authority on it because I haven't seen it in 20 years. Okay. But, we're going to table it and come back. Yeah. Regardless. But let me just put one thing in there. Yeah. If you treat a character as a bad guy, just because they're of a different national, different race than a white person doesn't mean it's racist. Oh no, not at all. No, okay. that's that's not what I was yeah, getting at. But again, let, let me rewatch it. And we'll, we'll come back. Maybe next. Yeah. Maybe next time next we time. meet. Okay. Anyway, if Anyways. if you get a chance, yes. all the money in the world. I would like to see it's it. A, it's a superior. Really good. And we talked about in the beginning of the last podcast about how that he was just remarkably inconsistent. Oh, incre- and just, just, you know, yeah, and up I, and down. I saw your review of the Irishman and we're going to talk about that later. Litterboxed on litterbox.com. Yes. Yeah. Everybody, by the way, anybody listening, go to my, my account, Dylan Davis on litterbox.com. I'm, I'm posting a, a short movie reviews there. My longer reviews, my in-depth reviews will always be on my website at www.thatdylandavis.com. Go ahead. But continue is one of those where we're going to come back to it. To the Irishman? Yes. And Scorsese and... Um, Pesci? No, no. God, now I'm brain lost. Scott? It's really Coppola? Scott, and you kind of look at him in a similar vein, and we're going to come back to it. Okay. But. But. Back on Ridley Scott. Okay. You're right. Uh, generally speaking, nobody thinks, at least I don't think of his more personal work, smaller work, as being representative of him when i think of his name but he's made some very good ones yes i mean matchstick men is pretty damn good i like matchstick men Thelma and louise i think is very good it's really good um gina davis and that is particularly very cool. amazing matchstick men uh the girl allison loman mm-hmm. she's fantastic uh nicholas cage just fucking he's always good he nails that fucking yeah. movie you know he's either terrible or good but i always want to watch him yeah i think he's a good actor uh, i don't you know luke says he saw one of his recent movies on netflix uh Probably pretty good just a few months ago and he said it was outstanding yeah i believe it okay uh what did you we already talked about what did you not like about it um what I didn't like about it? Yeah, about Kingdom of Heaven. We talked about that just now and then, right. and then on the last podcast. What, what did you like about it? What worked for you and what didn't? Well, I mean, what what worked for me was the entire setting and the in the production design and the costumes and the vision, the cinematography, the style, uh, the epic nature of it, which I, I think that Ridley Scott is very good at creating absolutely alien is a very small film but it, is. but it looks like an epic yes and and i think ridley scott did something like 400 commercials by the time he got to alien i believe that. and and uh, david fincher did like 400 music videos yeah. before he got to alien 3 and so in, in that aspect they both um have the same type of scope in terms of taking something small like three kids looking at a computer mm-hmm. and just making just 
seem like it's just epic in this nature or David Fincher's crane shot outside of uh, Harvard grounds in Boston for that opening title shot. Like that's just a town. Yeah. It's just a town. It's a small town. We don't see it very much. And yeah. And it it just looks amazing. And Scott could do that. You know, that sweeping shot that Scott does. And I think it's like a a 15 or a 20 second camera tracking shot through the laboratory uh, waiting for uh, Kane to wake up. Uh, it's when all the lights were off and everything like that. It's just simply amazing. Yeah. How Luke and I just saw the 40th anniversary release of it okay. uh, on the big screen. Yeah. And, and uh, I think there was only one shot that had one difference. And, and then that was the rest of it just looked crystal clear and amazing. So that's, that's what I wish I saw every time I saw a Ridley Scott film mm-hmm. and I don't. And, and that's it, probably not fair. And it frustrates me. Oh, yeah, I can see where it would be frustrating. I mean, I don't know of any singular filmmaker I've found more disappointing. Oh, I'm sure that I can think of someone I'm more disappointed in. Really? Yeah, I mean, Coppola, probably. But I've been, I haven't expected anything out of Coppola in a while. Well, and I, for someone who hit five home runs in a row. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and, I, and, I, and I know that that's unfair of us to think. Why? Well,. You know, it's kind of, you know, if, if Alex Bregman had five hit home runs in a row and then struck out the five next times, five times he's next at bat, then his batting average is 500 right. and we're all like, fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, but that's unfair. Those, but, that's yeah, unfair. It's one of those things where if yeah, he hit five home runs in a row and then he struck out 40 times in a row. That's Coppola. I mean, that's kind of Coppola. I mean, yes. I mean, the level of, you know, the pace is not even close to baseball. But to a certain degree, it's like, oh, my God, he's killing it. He's killing it. killing it. And now it's been three decades. Yeah. I mean, and I like some of his smaller movies. The Outsiders, I like that fine. Rumblefish, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, Tucker, I love Tucker. Tucker is Tucker's, interesting. Yeah. I, I, I like. like to, it, I don't like it as good as uh, Apocalypse Now, yeah, but like, I mean, it's a it's, it's a very it's good film. Interesting movie. It's a yeah, very it good really film, is. and and there's again there's tinges of of yeah. Howard Stark in that. But even I mean, I'll, I think the Palma never reached the heights of Coppola even close. But I mean, shit, he's still at least putting out interesting shit. His his followers are more loyal. I tell yeah, you that. Yeah, I mean, and we have our difference of perspective on him but at the same time it's like well at least he's going for it yeah coppola seems like it's kind of like he's not even trying well i know he's distracted with the winery and all that and i can see where that would happen whatever his daughter is trying she's 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 amazing she's She's amazing even in the stuff that i don't like she's amazing yeah Yeah, i don't know like i remember watching the virgin suicides and thinking all throughout the time i will never watch this film again but but it is an amazing film really well done yeah, and I heard that last one she made with Colin Farrell. I talked to several people who went and saw it. It was the remake of the Clint Eastwood movie, yeah. uh, The Bewitched, the Beguiled. The Beguiled. Yeah, and they just said like it was mesmerizing. That was another one. Sorry, The Beguiled. No, no, the other movies are coming out. Like Richard Jewell. I want to see Richard Jewell. I want to see that too. Yeah, Clint Eastwood movie. Like that next, dude's next... pumping him out. Holy crap! He yeah. can't stop. Jesus Christ! Yeah, we went saw The Mule last year. Once a year. Yeah. It's like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Well, he he's like one one take Clint. Yeah, that's what like, people say. And yeah. get your shit together because you get one take. And that's yeah, it. That's kind of nice. And I heard that he, uh, uh, you know, I heard that he got spoiled because of Meryl Streep working with him on um, 
the Bridges of Madison County, oh, yeah, which I bad. saw like 25 years ago and I never liked and I will never watch again. And it's just not my thing. But I understand that Meryl Streep just spoiled him. And he, like, he was like, she was like, one take, one take, one. He was like, fucking hey, we're going to be done like in like, 45 days and not 90. Know it's going to be great. She can do it. You can too. Yeah. And uh, I know a lot of actors are, are like, holy crap. Like, I better. It's like that's why she's Meryl Streep, I guess. But, For sure. Okay. But anyway, uh, so uh, a note, a couple of notes that I did some research after our last podcast regarding Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Tex Watson is still alive. He is? He is. Okay. Uh, the other dude is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby Beausoleil. Okay. Who is <clears> – <throat> there's there's a, a theory that uh, – so Bobby Beausoleil was an, another a Manson family member uh, who murdered a guy um, for Charlie Manson – a couple of weeks before the Tate LaBianca murders. And there, there is a theory held by some people that the reason the Tate LaBianca murders um, happened was because Charlie was trying to hide um, the murder that Bobby Beausoleil had pulled off. He was trying to confuse the cops. Okay. Um, he, he thought that there, there was a, there was a way for the cops to figure out that he and Bobby were involved. And so he thought, well, if we do this, then they'll think that it's like some crazy family running around doing it. As it turns out, it was. And that's what people thought. Okay. Yeah. So the other thing was uh, we were talking about names and people who were convicted and why right. would they care and all of that. And it turns out you're absolutely right about all that. Um, if it's history, it's history. You can kind of do what you, you can, want. You can do what you want if it's part of the written record. Uh, Tarantino used the Manson family nicknames. In the movie, because he didn't want to say the real names, because he didn't want to give them airtime. Okay. Um, so Tex is not his real name, right? And that's what people called him. Um, but all this the squidgy and pearly and all of that, he was like, "I'm I'm not going to fucking say Susan Atkins' name, right? Because uh, you know, if people want to know her name, then they they'll they'll yeah they'll learn about it. And I'm not going to give her any airtime in my fucking movie, right? Which I have to say, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, I can run with that. Uh, I also want to say um, something that's kind of pertinent, and this this is just um, something that I noticed. There, there's a feeling among a lot of um, I don't want to call them incels, <laughs> okay. but uh, a lot of Tarantino fans that oh. are uh, you know if you don't like Tarantino's movies, fuck you. And well, that's like a lot of things. I, that's that's like a lot of things. And Tarantino fans are very, um, very diehard. Very, like Slayer, very, yeah, they uh, like Slayer. Yeah, Megadeth. Like fuck you. Yeah, um, I, I'm not of that ilk. I've I've seen a lot of a lot of things on Twitter uh, with some friends of mine that I communicate with on Twitter that I, I have not met personally. Right. Which they were like, you know, just because I said I didn't like this movie, now I've got. A hundred fucking people sending me death threats, which is absolutely. Bananas. And it's like, you know, again, the influence of social media. So I just want to say, just because we we recorded forty five minutes of us like talking about how great it was, right. it's okay not to like. No, it's not. <laughs> if you don't like it, you don't have two brain cells to rub together, and you got no place to be here. You should go fucking kill yourself. I mean, holy crap! Your 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 opinion is null and void. 
Of course. I mean, isn't that kind of obvious? It, well, it's obvious to you and me. It's not obvious to some. I don't think that your disclaimer is going to help those people. It's okay to not like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No, I, did, I didn't like Ad Astra. I haven't seen that. Uh, it was interesting. I it was, can't get out. Together. It was interesting. Right. But um, it, it's kind of like this very weird cross between Apocalypse Now and like 2001. Okay. Which was interesting to watch again. But at least it was Risk. Yeah, it was risk. Okay. Okay. And Pitt's, and Pitt's performance in it was interesting. Okay, so back to David Fincher. Yes. Can you please outline your frustrations with Alien 3? Um, It probably... Okay, so it starts off on the right, wrong foot, right? You take characters that are integral to the storyline... And you really dismiss them in a manner that's almost offensive, right? Because the Hicks and Newt thing is one of those where it would have worked just fine had you had somehow some kind of ship malfunction or something where Ripley gets separated from them, but the characters, they just move on. Or they stay in hypersleep well, for the I'm entire saying, movie. There's there's mechanisms that like you don't have to mess with it, right? It's like if you if you had started Empire Strikes Back and immediately had you know Han Solo killed, right? It's like well, it's not the primary character, but it's confounding because I've got some emotional you know integrity built into it, right? I've got some investment. So dismissing it that callously was very problematic. And that was starting off on the wrong foot, in my yeah. opinion. Um, I found that the, remiss, the rest of the movie was reasonably okay, but not great. It had a lot of problems in that, for the most part, the prisoners on the planet were indistinguishable. So when someone died, they were like, it's like, I don't even know who that was. A bunch of bald guys. Right. English and accents. A bald guy without an English accent. You know? <laughs> but like the few characters who were interesting were removed from the equation pretty quickly. Right. I thought that the doctor was an interesting character. That's Charles Dance, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, I, think, I think you're right. But it removed pretty quickly. Yeah. I think that the warden was a pretty interesting character. Yeah. Removed pretty quickly. And, you know, sometimes that makes a lot of sense, right? Because it has... Boom. Oh, my God. They killed that person. But once I got through that, it was like, okay, who's left? And there wasn't a whole lot. Um, I thought that the Ripley's sacrifice at the end with the Christ pose falling into the pit was, okay, it's kind of on the nose. Right? But that's okay. It was probably, I mean. I mean, that's okay. I mean, we've seen that type of thing, and I've accepted it. But it's it's like after all, everything else, it was like, okay, and then this too. Um. We know that this isn't an excuse, but right. that's not a movie that David Fincher wanted to do. Well, I think he wanted to do uh, it. He wanted to do an alien film, but he didn't want to do it for like two-thirds of the budget that they well, promised. Yeah, I believe that. And all the limitations right. that they made. And, of course, Sigourney Weaver, it was his idea to shave her head. Right, and I thought that and, was fine. And, like, her salary, like, fucking doubled yeah, the minute they did that. Yeah. And that was a huge strain on the budget. Yeah. And... Um, he, he's expressed a lot of, it's kind of like, it's kind of like how Kubrick feels about Spartacus. You know, there are people, Kubrick complained the rest of his life about people coming up and saying, 
you know, Spartacus is one of my favorite films and I think it's your best film. And Kubrick's like, I don't know how to feel about that. Right. You know, it's not like he wants to disassociate himself with Spartacus, but, but it's certainly not his favorite. Kubrick does not think that it, it's not his favorite and it's not, he doesn't think that it's his best and he doesn't understand how anyone else can make that interpretation either. Yes. Right. Cause in a large, in a large way, Kubrick doesn't even see that Spartacus is, was even his film. Right. I mean, he was kind of a hired hand. Uh, it, well, he was, but I mean, there's very Kubrickian shots in it and, and there was performances in it that are, are only would have come from him. Uh, but largely, uh, it was not of his making. Right. Uh, and and uh, I don't want to say that the man just stood there and said action because he didn't. He had a huge influence on on, on everything. Southern. Right. And and uh, I don't want to say that that the same thing happened to Fincher. But there's a lot of things in in in. I mean, Alien Three looks like a Fincher film. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, style looks you know from beginning to end, and he was greatly involved in in the pre-production. So that's not the case. But it it just. It seems like he was bound a lot by oh, story decisions. It certainly looks like a movie that was made by a committee. Yes. yes. I mean, it really does. And and also, I think there was a major disappointment for me from a viewer is there was a natural progression in these movies from one to two where there was a expansion of scope. Yes. And then it gets... Way We're smaller. Just, right. Which Way is, smaller. is not inherently bad. No, but it but, seemed to be made because of a budget concern. Right. As opposed to some conscious decision to, I mean, yeah, they, they portrayed it. Oh, I wanted to bring it back to the original. It's like, well, it's not like you've made seven movies and you wanted to bring it back to the original. Yeah. There was one other movie. You wanted to bring it back. Okay, well, and let's face it. The original Alien isn't this incredibly imaginative story. It's just an exceptional monster and exceptional set design and really tremendous atmosphere. And cinematography. Right. But it's yeah. like the story itself is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I like Big it. thing trying to kill me. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, hey, there's seven of us. Oh, then another six. Now there's five. Now there's four. It's like, it's inherent. It's a very special. and then there were none type yeah. of. And that's that's great. But it's like, ooh, I'm going to go back to that original plot. It's like, okay, it was the movie for last. And for our political politically correct crowd i said and then there were none instead of saying 10 little indians okay i think i think that's important to i knew that we we touched on it and i knew that we were going to touch on it what are your thoughts on it Uh, well i mean uh, i we already went through that um the i have written down here the comparison from alien 3 to dark fate terminator dark fate Okay, I've not seen Dark Fate. I'm trying to figure out what a, the hell I'm. I'm well, I, I think I'm on John, my fourth hell. I'm guessing challenge. it's because John Connor gets killed in the first yes, four minutes. That's like, that's exactly. Which kind of makes you go, well, yeah. why the fuck did I watch Terminator Two or Terminator One for that matter? That's that's what I meant. Because I've not seen this movie, right? Yeah. But from what I understand, okay, so he gets killed in the first four minutes or whatever. Yeah. Where it would have been one of those things where you know what would have been probably a better presentation would have been that you know john connor somehow sacrifices himself for this new hero the new hero that kind of just doesn't there were other ways to do yeah it's like one of those that's like nobody really has a problem with the main character passing away but it's like it's got to be on terms that are consistent with the character itself right well just like alien 3 there were other ways to do it yeah exactly it's like you can still do it but you just can't just take it and throw it in the trash it was kind of like the last jedi really pissed me off when you had ray hand luke the sky the uh 
lightsaber and just looks at it and, and threw it, it away. Shoulder. Yeah. It's like, it's like, that's not consistent with that character. Which, which was a deliberate choice by everybody involved who had a say. Right. And they chose for that to be okay. So Mark Hamill said that was fine. Oh, well, well, no, that's, he didn't have a say. He's just an actor hired to do a job. Right. I mean, he's been on the record saying this is not. He's associated with it so strongly. Yes. Like, yes. You know, if, like if you had Han Solo pass away being a, you know, if his character was killed because he was hiding in a corner. It's like, that's fucked right. up. It's, that's, it, it yeah, that's sense. wrong. Yeah. Right. There's no way. Yeah. I prefer a straight fight as opposed right. to all the sneaking around. Right. But it's one of those things where, I mean, that type of stuff matters to the audience. And I'm presuming that that's what you were referencing. That No, that's exactly what I was referencing. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, having John Connor die is a disappointment, but you can do it instead of just like, okay, well, that doesn't matter. It's like, oh, and that's what I've heard about this movie, and I'm not saying it, so I don't know, is that it's this weird kind of inconsistent thing going on. It's like, we don't care about the past, but here's Arnie and Sarah and uh you know linda hamilton to show you we care about the best like what what the fuck do you care about it or not right because you dump on it in one hand and then try to raise it up in the other it's like it's infuriating to a certain degree very much so so what's your least favorite fincher film well, are we going to take Alien 3 and just exclude it? We're going to exclude Alien 3. Just by default. Yes. Or, you know, I think my least favorite is probably... Probably Panic Room, I think. But, I mean, that's really, I mean, totally using the, quote, least favorite. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like... This, I love Panic it's like It's like an 8. For me, I enjoy it like a 7 or an 8 out of 10. Uh, what would yours be? Well, I haven't seen The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. So okay, I take that back. It's a curious case. Uh, I hear that that's everybody's yeah, that's, least favorite. That's my least favorite. You're right. I've kind of forgotten about it. Yes, you're right. Yeah, that one's not... I don't really like it. Yeah, yeah I don't really like it. Yep, that's the least favorite. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I have to say, like, the girl with the dragon tattoo. It's not fun. Was very disappointing to me. Yeah. Because I had seen the Swedish films. I had read the books. Right. And. And I, th I thought the books were, uh, had a strain of very interesting themes, although I was not like, I'm not one of those people who was holding them over my head. Like you have to fucking read this. Like it's the, you know, he's the rowling of whatever right. Sweden or Norway or where the hell he's from. But I, I, I really thought that he was a very exceptional author, kind of like Stephen King of painting this world and putting you in the world and understanding it. Cause there's a lot of things going on with the family, the mm -hmm. Vanger family. And uh, the missing girl and everything. And and I'd seen the Swedish films, which were done on just such a limited budget, but they had uh, Numi Rapace, that actress. And she I thought she did a, a phenomenal job with uh, uh, what she was given. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and so when I heard Fincher was doing it, I, was, I thought, well, it's going to be uh, exactly like the first film on crack. Is that not accurate? It, well, there's... I mean, it's got the most kick-ass opening credits I've ever seen. It, it it does, and you know there 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 are some 
There are some very striking sequences that Fincher has constructed, and I don't know if he'd ever seen the Swedish one. I think the legend is he had not. I don't know if I believe that or not, but I yeah. think that's what they well, said. That, well, that makes a lot of sense, but I will tell you that, uh, I mean, just for instance, there's, again, we talked about these people on YouTube who spend a lot of their time deconstructing mm -hmm. David Fincher movies, but there was one guy who compared um, scene by scene. Uh, the two the two versions, and I mean there is without a doubt uh, a night and day difference between the way. Um, oh yeah, I would think so. Any, you know, any guy who you just teach how to pick up a camera and David Fincher. Yeah, I would hope so. And, and I mean, just just uh, what's his name, uh, the, the lead character whose name I can't even yeah. uh, remember, the investigative reporter driving up to the the Vanger Mansion. And, and how that was done in a Swedish version and how that it was done with uh, Daniel Craig. Very different. And, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't, I mean, if you ever want to know why Fincher is a master, you go online and watch that video. Right. And he, and he doesn't have them all in, like, one four-hour video. He's got, like, them broken down into, like, uh, three-and-a-half-minute sections. And he's got probably a hundred of those videos right. of this is why this scene is better. This is why this scene is better. And, and I don't know if this is some guy who used to blow David Fincher or used to work for him or whatever, but it's a very effective tool of showing you why Fincher constructs a narrative mm -hmm. differently than everybody else and the emotional impact that has on the viewer. So having said that, and, and then of course, um, Rooney Mara, I mean, I like Daniel Craig. I don't. I did not go see that movie because Daniel Craig was in it. I wouldn't imagine. I that. went to go see it because Rooney Mara was in it. That's not what I expected, but okay. And well, I had heard. I mean, well, she's the central. Uh, Elizabeth Slander is the is the central character of the book. Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't have thought that you would go see it because of the. Same well, movie. I was very interested to see what she would do with the character sure. because uh, Numi Rapace had done such a phenomenal job with the Swedish films. So then I went to go see it, and you know, everybody. It's been a while since I've seen it. It's been a, right. Well, I mean, I was trying to formulate my words here and not sound like a like a pig because we just had the De Palma conversation. But we 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 all know that people go see movies largely based on who's in them, and of course, if you have an a, an actress in them, that's that's even more of a ticket seller. And then, of course, if you leak out, well, this actress is going to be nude. Right. Well, then, like I remember when when Rollerball was remade. And they were talking about, um, isn't it Rollerball with uh, the remake? You remember Rebecca the Romaine? yeah, Re Rebecca Romaine was in it. it was going to be a hard R, and it was going to be really yeah, violent, and it was going to be full full frontal, and none of that happened. None of that happened, right? And it turned out, and it was like borderline PG thirteen. I think it was, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was kind of people were like, "This is not what I thought I was going right. to." I mean, it was an R film with violence in it, but it wasn't. But only barely. Wasn't anything of the things that everybody had heard right. about. Um, well, I mean, I, I had heard that the girl with the dragon tattoo was going to just be, be a, a drastic difference, and it was going to be you know, a shocking Fincher film, and and Rooney Barry was going to be like this full frontal. And I went to go see it. I was shocked. I was really shocked at what she did in the film. Right. And she she was a very very brave woman to do what she did in the film. Right. And and I admired the sort of honesty that that the actors brought to it, and even that scene where Daniel Craig is like almost crying. Because he was shot at, he was like, "I almost lost my, I almost lost my goddamn life. Like right. I almost died over this bullshit." And you can see just how rattled he is. And I was really amazed with that. And then at the end of the film, and this may seem trivial, but in both the book and the movie, 
um, Craig's character had gone to Australia to unravel the mystery of the entire abduction that happened 30 years before. And it is really like a drop jaw moment in the book. And in the movie, there's, there's a turnaround and it's kind of a, a Swedish version. There's a drop jaw, like, Oh my God. Like it's, it's like an unveiling of (gasps) Kaiser Soze, you know, it's, it's, it's like that. And, uh, Fincher did not manage to pull that off in, in the remake. And I mean, out of, out of everything that he couldn't do, Go figure. He couldn't do that. And so so that would be, I think, instead of even going to Australia or shooting it out in Arizona and calling it Australia or, or doing something that's even seemingly remotely close to what was going on in the book in the first film, they just decide, well, we're just going to shoot this in London because we shot the entire thing in England and none of it matters. And it just seemed like a very poor choice, right. uh, a poor production choice. It's kind of surprising. Uh, for the ending of a movie that they knew that everybody was going to go see if they were fans of the book. You're trying to cash in on a book and you changed the fucking ending. That's going to be a problem. That, that, that was really a problem. Right. And that that should be. Yeah. I mean, I thought the fact that he did that movie in and of itself was rather surprising. It's like, very strange. It's like, is he committed to making three movies? Yeah. Very strange. Yeah, and and now of course that's affected the other two. They don't want to make the other two. No, why would you? Because the ending of the first one was fucked up. Yeah. And so the fans are like, well, I'm not going to go to fucking see the other two. Right. And, and that that seems very careless, very unfincher like, if I might say. Yes, but but he he may not have had the choice. It seems unlikely, to be honest with you. I think he's got a lot of. He's one of the few that I think really can kind of do what he wants, how he wants, which is why he's doing. As far as I can tell, almost exclusively Netflix stuff now. Right, he certainly sucks. has more control over. You know, it does because he just the man graces the screen with such a presence. Yeah, and so that I, yeah, and I, I mean, I soaked up Manhunter, Mindhunter, mm-hmm. season one and two with just relish. Right, I relished watching that. Anna Torv, who's most famous for being in um, Fringe, okay. um, she she's in Mindhunter. She's the blonde uh, psychologist. Uh, I I have seen amazing things out of her personification on screen that I know is, and it's not to sh- cut her short as an actress at all, but I know it's because Fincher is directing her. Right. Everybody's game is elevated. Um, I mean, how many how many of the episodes did he direct? He didn't direct them all, did he? That's a good point. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I hate to say it because I'm kind of hypocritical, but I, when it's on Netflix, I'm. It's not that I'm less interested, but there's less of a drive to watch it immediately because I know it'll be there. Oh, it'll be right, right now. Me too. Me. Too. So it's like the Irishman. I need to watch desperately, but I haven't seen it, and it's on Netflix. So I'll probably wait until Christmas break and I'll watch it then. Versus it being in the theater, and right. we got to watch it now. Got to watch it before it's gone. I wanted to see it, but it was canceled, or they didn't show the uh, night, the evening show on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I am very happily running out of topics. Oh. Can you pause real quick? Yeah. We can do that. Have a dream of a huge, luscious, creamy root beer float? Well, if you haven't tried one with Mug Root Beer, start drooling now. Mug, old-fashioned root beer in the new Twist Top bottle. Okay. And we're back. And we are back. Yeah, very happily running out of topics. Um, but I did. 
you brought up something that I wanted to see very badly, which was uh, 1917. Yes. That looks like it could be extremely interesting. Yeah. Sam Mendes. Who I'm, generally speaking, it doesn't do much for me, but the little bit that I know about this seems like it could be fascinating. What do you know about it? Um, I know that the whole movie is presented as if it were a single shot, right? And you have guys on a mission type of movie, but it's a pretty singular mission. And I'm hoping that it's going to satisfy what Dunkirk didn't give me. What did Dunkirk not give you? Dunkirk struck me as a movie that Nolan was trying to impart experience. Uh, okay, the whole movie was based on, there's no plot. Plot doesn't matter. What matters is experience of the characters in the time, right? Okay. And I thought that it was so muted that it didn't effectively do it. You like narrative. We've been over this. No, movie. no, it's not even the narrative thing. It's more the, okay, if you're going to do the type of film where strictly explore the action, the things that are happening, I don't want it to be half-ass, Right. And it struck me as a movie that, okay, we're going to show you just these are the experience of these people in these circumstances. But it was really pretty, like I said, muted. It was really, like, low-key. I mean, I, I, I don't want to see violence and gore, but it's one of those that under those the circumstances. The action was I muted. Think, yeah, exactly. So For as much music as there was in the film. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's one of those things. Like I, I do think that the opening of Saving Private Ryan or the battle in um, Thin Red Line where they're going up the hill, there was a lot of visceral excitement. That oh, was for hard sure. To watch, but it, it like really fit what the narrative was. And in Dunkirk, it was like very. After you, after the first twenty minutes, you realize, okay, nothing terrible is going to happen, so I'm less invested. Okay. That's kind of the way I thought about it. You know, you take some of the uh, like Mad Max Fury Road. Yes, there's no narrative that matters. No, who gives a shit? That's not a movie. No, but it's an incredibly compelling. It's an piece experience. Of art. Yeah. Oh like, yes. I, that's, I, I just, yeah, that's I'm performance art. Locked out. Yes. But it was like, okay, yeah, it's one of the top. 10 movies I saw that year easily. Oh, yeah. Easily. Last 10. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm looking for is like, if you're going to do this, that's great. Just do it. So I'm hoping that this movie does. Okay. So I want to go through some Sam Mendes films with you. American Beauty. No. I know you hate it. Yeah. I think it's okay. Fucking hate that film. I know you hate it. I think it's, I think yeah. it's okay. That and Network. <laughs> You well, found the two. Right. I think there's nothing that's in American Beauty that worked for me that I find it pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, did you see Road to Perdition? I, I did, but it was a long time ago. And I thought I never, that was pretty good. I never saw it. I understand it's good. Jarhead. Didn't see it. Read the book. Thought even less of the film. Right. But again, I have to say, visually, stylistically, compelling. Yeah. very compelling. Uh, Revolutionary Road. Mm-mm. Never saw it. No, thanks. Okay. I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing Marriage Story. Oh, yeah. Or uh, 
Is that what it's called? Marriage Story? Yeah, the one yeah. that's out now with Adam Driver. Noah, that's... Noah D- Bombuck? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I'm sure it's great. I'm not watching it. Yeah, er, well, there's a lot of tragedy films. Like, I'm not, I mean, Kramer versus Kramer is a great film. I don't want to, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to see it. It's like, it has a great place, and I'm sure it's phenomenal, and I think they should make those things, but I'm just not going to see it. You like Skyfall? Yeah, I thought it was okay. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, Spectre. I, yeah, I didn't see it. Okay, so um... the recent criticism I had, and I'm, I'm sorry to keep quoting these random people I see on Twitter or these trends on Twitter that I see, but no, they matter. I spend a lot of time on Twitter, unfortunately, because that's just what I do. Um, right, I mean, to, there's nothing wrong with it. They matter. Yeah, to, to socially push the podcast and, and my books. Um, but there's a lot of people that look at the, the 1917, the one shot. Right. Which um, they did for Russian Ark. I don't know if you saw Russian Ark. That was one shot. No, I didn't see it. That was the first movie that was one shot. I think it was... Wasn't Rope the first movie that was passed off as one shot? It was passed off as one shot, but I mean... 1917 is not one shot. It's like, it's just designed to look like... It's designed to look like one shot. Okay. All right. Uh, There's no way you could do it. I mean, you can't do it. Well... I don't know if the subject matter in 1917 allows them to do it. Um, what I can tell with the events that are happening, you could, it's impossible. You couldn't do it. No, rope is like full reels. Right. Like it's like 10 minutes. Straight it's shot. a full reel one shot. Right. And they're linked together. Right. Well, I mean, is that is the famous sequence in... Uh, um, rope is by Hitchcock for those that. of us. Not, <laughs> not you, but no. for our listeners. Well, I know that. But uh, what's the Clive Owen future movie? Children movie. of Men. So, like, they have the very famous single. But I that amazing I, shot in I the car. Think, I don't yeah. think that's a single shot either. It's just designed uh, to look like it. Right. Well, um, yes. That's that's three different shots stitched together. And that's where I get the impression that 1917 is. It's like it, it, it has the power of one. It might as well be one. But it's like. Logistically, you just literally can't do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I even saw in a trailer about how they they go into a tunnel and it, and it blacks out. Well, right. obviously that's a cut. It should be. Yeah. And and Mendez <laughs> did that in the opening of Spectre, which right. I, I love the opening of Spectre. Mm-hmm. And that's like a seven and a half minute right. and uh, shot. And yeah. but but there's two cuts in that. Yeah. Which is you know okay. which, which which is fine. You do it so well. It's like yeah. 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 Kudos to you. Okay. So I didn't I didn't realize that it wasn't all one true shot. I thought it was all one. I don't think it is. It might be, but I don't, I don't believe that it is. Yeah. Well, oh, then, then my my thinking on it changes. Um, Russian Ark was was a, a red on a steady cam, and they they ran through um, three times. Okay. And, and the first time, the the cinematographer um, was some something failed within the first ten minutes, and so they had to That's start again. The last five. And, you know, they could only they could only try like three times in a day. Right. And then the the second time they got, I think they got an hour in, and then they had to stop for some some reasons, like some somebody missed their mark or something. And so then they had to reset everything again, and then they went a third time and they went the whole way through. And I, I, th- I think it's only like a hundred four only a hundred four minutes, quite a while. but that's quite a while for for one take on a red. Right. And um, I mean. I don't ever care really to watch it again. It's an interesting piece of art, but it, there's a lot of people that of course say, well, yes, it's a nice accomplishment, mm-hmm. 
It's interesting. It's not a, co- a compelling story. Russian Ark is not a compelling story. Okay. Uh, 1917 looks like a compelling story. It looks like it is. And I was under the impression until now that it was all one shot. So I was seeing I was seeing things on, on social media that were sort of like um, Sam Mendez is a pretentious asshole for even trying to attempt this. Like he's trying, I'm man. so arty that, you know, That's I'm going shit. to do one take and no one can do one take. And That's I'm the new bullshit. Orson Welles of the future. Yeah. If you can do, I mean, it's, it's good to have goals that are almost impossible. There's nothing pretentious about it. I mean, if he can awesome, if he can't, it, it it's worth a shot. Long takes are difficult to pull off uh, for a reason. Yeah. Um, Orson Welles would do them strictly for economy. Okay. Uh, he did, did not have the time, did not have the money. Right. And um, he knew that if, if he could pull off uh, a 10-minute sequence in a day, uh, then it saved him a week. Yeah. And um, But there are other people that, that are trying to uh, make a point. Right. With a long take. And that's someone like uh, Kubrick. Or Scorsese. Or Scorsese. I mean, I think... Well, you famously brought up the um, the restaurant dolly shot. Dude, that's amazing. And we, we Luke and I just watched that last Saturday. It's hard to believe amazing. I mean, it kind of imparts so much of a story. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe the, uh, the just the technical aspect of going through the kitchen. Right. That was shocking to me. I think it was one of the first movies. That may be the first movie that I remember going to in the theater where I actually had a a sense where I was like, oh, wait, this is really remarkable in and of itself. Right. Which is why I think that he's probably my favorite director is like that one point in that movie. I'm like, going, oh, I yeah. totally get it. Right. I'm, I'm re-watching uh, After Hours. Okay. I haven't seen that in... Probably since it came out. Years? Yeah. So uh, after I finish it, it's free with ads on Vudu. So after I finish it, we'll we'll get together. Okay. Anyway, um... that's why when I was when you were talking about in your review of the Irishman, where you yeah. equated Scorsese to uh, Ridley Scott, I was kind of surprised. Oh, did I? Yeah, you did. Where you had a whole bunch of movies where you, the implication was his batting average wasn't that remarkable and i and i'm scorsese's is not you don't think his batting average is no no really yeah see i think that's where you're underselling it because he's not made a whole lot of bad movies scorsese yeah i mean go through his filmography do you have it are you calling it up? I'm calling it up right now because I checked it before I wrote that review. And I was kind of... Let me go... Okay, so do you know how many features he's directed? Including documentaries? Yes. It's got to be 25. By, by the way, I've I included the, his excellent documentary work in the review. Right, I'm sure it's... Yeah. It's got to be 25, if not 30. He has directed 61. Oh, shit. Not even close, yeah. Films, in, including shorts. Right. Whatever. Now, well, okay, so that includes the pilot for vinyl. And I, don't, I wouldn't count that myself, which, but okay. 
I understand the, the pilot for vinyl is like I've not seen stellar. It. Yeah, I'm not seeing okay. it. So I, don't know. I liked Silence. But if you want to start, okay. So I have not seen Boxcar Bertha. I have not seen Who's the Knocking at My Door. I've not seen Italian American. Yeah. So the very early stuff I just haven't seen. Wolf of Wall Street, obviously gold. A plus. Hugo. It's a good movie. It's interesting. It's not great, but I'm really glad he made it. I agree. I agree. Living in the material world. I don't even know what that is. It's the George Harrison documentary. I've not seen it. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, George, excellent. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's my, you know, yeah, you're gonna my be biased, shit. But, but yeah, I'm biased immediately. But the fact that Scorsese's talent is added to right. it is amazing. Bogdanovich did one on uh, the Heartbreakers. Okay, I understand is really good. I haven't seen it. We're not going in any kind of order. Is that alphabetical? De- decreasing by year. Oh, so wait backwards. Uh, public speaking, never heard of it. Okay. Letter to Ella, never heard of it. Yeah. Right. Shutter Island, very good. Stellar. Very good. Very Just good. On the moon, good. Yeah. Shine a light. It's good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. not great, but it's good. Yeah. The Departed, of course. Phenomenal. Yes. The Aviator, phenomenal. Amazing. Michael Jackson, number ones. Didn't watch. Uh, neither did I. I didn't care to. Gangs of New York. Pretty good, but not great. Problematic. Probably a B minus. Bringing out the dead. Probably did, the same level. About a B minus. Particularly like it. My voyage to Italy. Yeah, it's okay. Kundun. I, I like. I think that's pretty good. I think that's. Like I liked Kundun. It's like a pretty solid B. Yeah, Casino. I thought was a major a-. disappointment. Oh, I think you're wrong. I think I think Casino is. It's not good, fellas. No. But I think the excess that people criticize Casino is the point. Oh, I don't criticize the excess of it. Well, I just... that's the most of the criticism I've And heard. I read the book, and the book was really good. Yeah, I think I think it's really good. When's the last time you watched it? Uh, it's been 10 plus years. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's way too profane. It's way too violent. It's way too much everything. But exactly, but it's one of those that in... It's way too much time. It's like a two and a half hour long movie. But Sharon Stone looks lost in it, and I think that's Scorsese's fault. It might be, but she was also playing a character who was cooked out for a high percentage of it. I mean, I really like Casino. I mean, it's one of those that doesn't make me feel good watching it, but I really like it. I mean, they had Don Rickles in it, and he kills. Like, I don't think he literally kills anybody. No, 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 but, but still. I mean, the part, part where the guy gets his hand smashed with a hammer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's so many, and and unfortunately, the Joe Pesci death with the the baseball, the bats. baseball bats and the pings. It was like it's a brutal movie, but I think it's really, really good. That's those scenes. Now, don't get me wrong; I don't think that there's a scene in Casino that's shot bad. No, no, I didn't take that. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Just I. But these are the highlights for me. It's yeah, horrible as that makes me sound saying it. Well, that scene when Sharon Stone walks in, she's wearing like that glitter dress. Yeah, you know, and she's like, there's cash thrown in the air, or chips or whatever, and then Freaking De Niro's amazing. like, "Who is that?" You know, that was an amazing scene. Yeah, Age of Innocence, fucking phenomenal. Really? Yeah, it's great. It may be one of his best movies. You don't like it, do you? No, and it has one on a writer in it, and I love one on a writer. You should watch it again. What's the last time you watched it? Eh, probably 20 years. There's a lot of tension. I mean, there's a lot of violence in that movie that isn't violence. Yes. No, no. If you watch it, there's a lot of conflict. It's really 
remarkable. I mean, it's really low-key and polite. Well, I understand it's, it's low-key and polite because it's Victorian. So, yeah, I mean, I get it, that. It plays within those boundaries, I think, very I, – I like it a lot. I think I like it a lot. I guess I got to watch it again. Yeah. Okay. Cape Fear. It's okay. I mean, if I was going to rate it on a A to F, I'd probably give it a good solid C plus. It's, F. It's, if Nick Nolte wasn't in it, I think I'd like it better. I don't. I don't, think I don't he, even remember that Nick Nolte was in this film. He is the hero of the. It's not great. It's really not. I admit that. Obviously, Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah. New York Stories. Yes. Last Temptation of Christ. That's a weird one, right? I love that film. I do too, but it's also one of those things where, God, I wish Willem Dafoe wasn't the star. I really wish Willem Dafoe wasn't Jesus. Yeah, I just, it just, I can't get it. I, I like Willem Dafoe. In I like him too, but I don't like him in that movie. I don't think it fits. Hmm. But I mean, I do, I mean, it's a fascinating story in a fascinating movie and being Catholic, I find it really good. I mean, I'd probably give that a, a minus. That's very strange for you to say because, you know, a lot of Catholics don't like this film. A lot of Catholics didn't see that movie. <laughs> yes. But it's one that, of those where... That's, yes, that's very but, true. But I mean, it's the perfect encapsulation of the problem with Jesus. Yes. Right? Is he's human and he's God. Right. And it's like, it totally makes sense that this would... It, it makes total It's the last temptation... It makes all the sense in the world. And it's really one of those that is a faith-affirming movie, which is one of the – I remember when it came out, there was all these protests, and it's like I, I didn't know enough at the time to really – I didn't know. Yeah, but, I remember that. But it was one of those things. Watching it go, this is a really faith-affirming film. It's like it's it's a temptation, and he rejects it. It's, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful, terrible movie. I mean it's – I'm glad it got made. I think that there would be more fans of Jesus mm -hmm. if more people saw this movie. I, I, I can see that. Yeah, you I don't know. think that's wrong. I mean, I don't, um, I, I don't describe myself as Christian by any sense of the word. Um, but a lot of that has to do with the dogma of the situation. Sure. But I was really, um, I was really captured, captured. I was been drinking, obviously, all okay. afternoon. Enraptured? Enraptured by uh defoe's presentation of jesus as well, yeah. a, as a person you know okay this is really shallow yeah. it's just defoe aesthetically oh yeah yeah that, well, that, that makes sense i mean, I mean it's makes really sense. shallow yeah but it's they just, can't all be jeffrey hunter it's strictly yeah. that i mean it's strictly that but i mean god damn i mean we're and we're counting back right so we've had at least four movies that are like God, well, these are, I mean, the color of money. For what it is, really good. It's a on the higher. It's like if it's basically Top Gun, <laughs> but it's a better movie than Top it's, Gun. It's no, it is not better than Top Gun. Yeah, you're wrong. And I don't like Top Gun. Paul particularly. Newman is fucking super glue. Well, well, Paul Newman is super glue in everything he's in, but this movie sucks. Oh, I, I, okay. We're gonna. We're going to disagree We're gonna on that. We're going to keep walking by that one. Okay. After Hours, again, I'm yeah. rewatching it. I was, I was, I just turned it on on Voodoo, and I got to say, just the first camera move yeah, in the just, film. He's so gifted. Sucked me in. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Uh, King of Comedy. 
I really need to see it again. Something tells me, I mean, because the last time I saw it was probably 25 years ago. I think I would appreciate it more now. Raging Bull A+. Yeah, you're a Raging Bull fan. Even if you don't like Raging Bull, objectively, it's an amazing movie. No. What? I, I, I've never thought that. No, no, no. I've, no. I've, really? I've, I've never thought that it's an amazing movie, even if I don't like it. How so? I, don't like, I, just... I mean, the fight scenes are amazing. Remember the animal sounds when they're doing the fight? And it speeds up and slows down? Yeah, and... like Snatch. It's just Snatch yeah, stole that from Raging Bull. 30 years before. Yeah. I mean, in the black and white, the cinematography is amazing. It was pretty crisp. Yeah. But I... I, I mean, it's not a fun time, but it's... Well, there are other films that are... I mean, Schindler's List is not a fun time. Right. That's a great film. Yeah, I think Raging Bull... I mean, I feel terrible watching it because they're like, oh, these people are terrible. Yeah. But it's so well done. Joe Pesci's good in it, but I just... I have no attraction to it. When was the last time you watched it? Uh, when when you told me you have to see this, and yeah. then we had like an argument on email that went on for like eight months and twenty five pages. The last waltz, pretty fucking good. <laughs> uh, okay, go on. I mean that that was with uh, what's his name? The band Robert Robertson. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <sighs> New York, New York. Not my cup of tea. Even though I like musicals, not my cup of tea. Okay, Taxi Driver. We all know. Alice doesn't live here anymore. Haven't seen. Sleeper. Italian American, you said. I want to see it, but I have not seen it. Okay, Mean Streets. I love Mean Streets. So, what I told Luke, Mean Streets is on Netflix right now. So, he said, Dad, can I watch this? Because I know Scorsese did it. Right. And so, what I told him was, um, there's three camera shots in the entire movie. That's worth watching that movie. And then you can move on. And he watched and he said, yeah, you're right. But for most, I mean, that's not his first movie. But to a certain degree, it's his first movie. It's the first movie of his that people saw. Well, it's probably the first movie where he got to say, I want to do my movie. Oh, for sure. Right. For sure. Yeah. And George Lucas had THX. Was his first movie. And I'm sure there's others that I'm totally blanking on. But, I mean, okay. I'm on the outside on that one. I love THX. I like THX. No, I'll watch it again right now. It's a great movie. Give me American Graffiti any day of the week and twice on Sundays. I hate American Graffiti. Don't care. I'm going to shoot myself. (laughs) I know. What do you mean you hate it? No one can hate American Graffiti. Don't like it. What? Don't like it. What? I'm confused. You said you went from... Wait, but you said you hate. How can you hate American yeah, Graffiti? I'm sorry. I did use the word hate. I you said did. I don't hate movies. I don't hate American Graffiti. Why don't I, you I, like it? I do not like it strongly. It is. Why? I just. I'm baffled. There's, there's, okay. There's no, no, wait. We've got to explore this. I don't understand. I mean, if. Okay. So if there's anybody listening at this point, which I don't know if there is, but if there is, please send an email. Okay. My email address is dkaiii71 at gmail.com. You sure you want to do that? I just did. So if you don't like it, I want to know why you don't like it. Because this is. Okay. So everybody's top 30 movies in their brain changes all the time, right? Well, okay, so does your t- favorite movie stay consistent? Mine changes all the time. It just depends on what I'm feeling. Uh, no, I mean, my favorite movie has been the same for the past 35 years. Okay, that's 
That's yeah, reasonable. But, but I know that I'm not no, no, normal no, your, favorite, your favorite one is fine. Okay, but yeah. your top ten. I top, mean, mine can shift. There's probably five in there that stay the same, sure. and then the other five but are just it, constantly is rotating. It two or four or seven or, you know, it can change. My favorite is number one all the time. Okay, what's that? Empire. Okay, that's fair, right? But if you're top ten, I can see, like, number two right now could be number six last week or number four the week before. Sure, just, yeah. Just Absolutely. But American Graffiti, I think, is always in my top 50. Really? It's, yeah, it really is. There's a certain unabashed joy, and it's the only Lucasfilm that I feel is really organic. The ones of, that he directed, right? Well, it's very well. I don't know. I think Star Wars is pretty organic. It, it is, but I think the dialogue is awkward. I think American Graffiti doesn't have any of the problems of Star Wars. It doesn't have any of the highs of Star Wars, but it doesn't have any of the problems. Everything they say strikes me as very legitimate. I find. God, I really enjoy. I'm really surprised you don't like it. Yeah, there's, well, there's a natural aspect of it uh, when they're talking to each other in between the cars, when they're in the yeah. pinball machine rooms. And there's a natural dialogue that occurs. That it's it's kind of shocking that you don't see that in his other films. I know, and I think well, yeah. he's really good at casting. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's yeah. really good at casting. I mean, it, you have well, Richard Dreyfuss and Ron Howard and Candy. What's her name? Totally blank. Jar Jar thing. Well, he didn't. Yeah, but Hunt, but Harrison Ford. I mean, Ewan McGregor was perfect casting. Ian, what's it? Was who is the Emperor? Ian, Ian uh, what's his name? Oh, the guy who played Palpatine. Yeah, yeah. it was perfect yeah. casting. I yeah, mean, he's really generally speaking Ian very McDormand. gifted at it. Yeah, he, but why don't you like? Why don't you like? Why don't you like American Graffiti? Is it because you don't like cars? No, I mean, I love cars. We okay. just got through talking about how, like, Shelby Cobras and Mustangs. That's why I'm confused. Yeah, and there's a low rider in that. There's like a 32 Ford Eliminator with a dropped hood and a mm-hmm. see-through vent. Yeah. And, um, that, That's that, Paul Lamas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, all of that looks really cool, and I really get, dig it and like it and flame jobs and all that. And I read cartoons, uh, right. the, the comic, when I was a kid. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, it was it was a comic book called Cartoons. Tunes, C-O-O-N-S. Yeah, yeah and, and um, I loved I read that for years. loved it. And Absolutely just, awful. yeah, I, mean, I have you know stories about 57 Chevy rebuilds and stuff like that. I just... Man, I, there was nothing in American Graffiti that made me want to watch it again. I've really? seen I've seen it three times. I think I saw it when I was a kid. And I was like, the eh. music is amazing. Soundtrack's great. Soundtrack's the great. Are you get the same soundtrack in Stand by Me or um, Animal House. Okay, this was before both of those. It, it was, yeah. I mean, and he gets points for being first. Okay, I just I mean, we're gonna. I, I'm just that one actually shocked me. You as I understand that it's. I can it's, see where you would say. Eh, I, I think it's okay. Yeah, I'm just surprised. No, I don't even. Dislike. I don't even think it's. I don't even think it's okay. I have no desire to see it again. Uh, and and to me, it's it's sort of you know if I have a desire to see a film again, there must be something about the film that makes me want to see it again. Well, that's what I mean. If I don't want, if I'm actively not wanting to watch something again, there's going to be something I can usually point to. I didn't like that. Point blank, and that's why. I, I'd rather watch Showgirls again than see American Graffiti. I would totally watch Showgirls again. But that has nothing to do with American Graffiti. I would watch them both. Okay, so. Okay, I'm fucking baffled. 
Yeah. But we're gonna keep. We're gonna move on. So okay. So we went through the whole Scorsese filmography yeah. there. Right? So so there were more hits than than. But the hits are so fucking high. Oh well, yeah. Well, that goes back to what we call the like the Robert Evans thing last time we right. we talked about but how it, like it's, holy it's, shit like four out of five. But it's much more consistent, right? I mean, we're talking about decades. it's more consistent than I realized. But the the ones that I that I don't care for are man, I really don't care. Okay, for. Okay, so what are the ones you really dislike? Uh, well, um. Raging Bull, okay, um, Cape Fear. I have but, no time for, and that's fine. But but Raging Bull, you recognize you're in a minority, right? I, I think I'm a minority by saying I don't like a Scorsese film. Period. No, that's probably not accurate. Oh, I don't know. Everybody worships the ground that he stands well, on. Well, because of what we talked about. But like, I mean, Bringing Out the Dead, some people love, but most people are like, eh. Yeah, I, I didn't care for that. But like Raging Bull. Just objectively. I find nothing about that film satisfying. About the story or the movie? Well, what's the difference? I mean, I don't like the, I don't like the story of Jake LaMotta. That makes sense. That, that makes total sense. But the way it's executed is exceptional. I, mean, I don't remember anything about the film that stood out. Like the if, boxing matches are shocking. I guess I'd have to watch it again because they didn't seem like they they just seemed like another boxing match to me. Oh. I remember watching Creed, thinking, "Wow, that's a boxing well, I match." Think, I think Creed reminded me a lot of Raging Bull. I mean, you had this. You remember the camera moving around yeah. when they yeah. circled? Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's in Creed. Like, yeah, no, no, in Raging Bull. No, yes, I don't did. remember any of that. Okay, you need to watch it again. Do you, does your laser display work? Yes. Okay, I'll loan you the movie. But it's, well, I mean, it's I think not, I have it on disc. It's not pleasant, but it is. Oh, it doesn't have to be pleasant. Yeah, but, but it's like, it's one of those that it's like, shit, it's, you probably need to watch it again. But I mean, go, no, okay, so what's the Ridley Scott filmography? Oh, uh, that's worse. Yeah. Than but you were, I, remember, I remember in your uh, review, you. I was equating them because yeah. they, they were just, they were but both Ridley inconsistent. Scott, I can't think of, I can't think of more than three movies that I put in A+. It'd be tough. Well, I, was... I don't think Blade Runner is an A-plus movie. Oh, man. Blade Runner is a fascinating exercise, but I'm not convinced it's a good movie. I think it's a great movie. Sure. But I can tell you why <laughs> I don't think... Okay, so okay, so this is a good opportunity, right? Yeah. So, I, I, I know why I don't think Blade Runner is a great movie. I think it's a fascinating vision. And it's really... I think 2049 is a better movie. Yes, I would agree with that. Which is really weird. Yeah. Right? But, I mean, there are so many plot holes that are problematic that you look at it and you go, oh, this doesn't make any sense. There's – the story is – boring you. No, 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 no. I mean, the story is – it doesn't move in the original Blade Runner. And – well, it, particularly I mean, when, it, when anytime they go back to his apartment, it's yeah, like the it story just, stops. stops. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. I mean, and I don't need, I'm not, you know, needing laser shows all the right, time. Right, right, right. But, and, and the, I mean, granted, I'm talking about the original version that you know, I, I know that everybody, they got rid of the uh, narr narration. Yeah. But the narration isn't good. But the removal of the narration doesn't really help the movie. It's like this weird thing. It's like there's no good solution. 
Well, I think that it would help if it had a good narration. That's probably true. I mean, he was definitely bored. He was bored. He was doing it badly on purpose. Yeah. He, he admitted to it. it. But it is also the writing. The writing the writing of the narration sucked. I mean, yeah. John Milius came into the studio uh, to work with Martin Sheen mm -hmm. and Coppola on the narration for Apocalypse Now. That makes a lot of sense. You know, and he was, was pretty organic. He was course. in the room, yeah. you know. And uh, I think, I don't remember who wrote Blade Runner, Hampton Fancher. He just may not have um, that, thing. that thing that Ford needed, right? And, of course, um, Ridley Scott did not direct Ford's narration. Right, which is a – that's the problem. Is like that's inherently baked into this movie. It's like you need narration, but the narration is bad. So if you pull the narration out, it doesn't really work. But if you have the narration in, it kind of right. fucks it up. And it's all it's – all, basically sabotaged because they fired Ridley Scott from, from the film right. um, during post-production, but then he was still contractually obligated to finish it. Which is so weird. So he had to actually work for the people who had just fired him with no creative control. Which is pretty whack. You know, so that's, you know, you can't expect anybody to operate in that framework. And for, I don't. That's why I yeah. think that the movie is okay. Yeah, but you know? Denis Villeneuve... Um, for 2049. I'm so glad they made that movie. I'm so glad know, they made that movie. That was a stellar achievement. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that was... I think uh, cinema was sleeping for um, a very long time mm -hmm. uh, in between Social Network and 2049. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I can't think of a whole lot of directors. There's probably Hitchcock. Trying to think who else. I'm sure there's others, but I'm, I'm blanking on them. You know, American directors. I'll I'll be honest. I'm couching it like that. Who have the batting average of Scorsese, Spielberg, probably. Well, definitely not the highs. I mean, it's just not oh, even no. even when we look through Sam Mendes, is like a, there's just like yeah. two or three. Yeah, Spielberg and Scorsese are probably the only two I can think of. They're they're oddballs, though. I mean, they, they are. They really. You know, nobody yeah. punches above. I mean, you got. Kurosawa? I haven't, and to be honest, like I have not seen enough Kurosawa. Have you seen to make any that... bad Kurosawa flick? No, I have not. Yeah, even the ones that are not great are like, that's eh, so pretty funny. Well, I haven't good. seen High and Low yet. That's I need really to, good. I need to, that's really good. Right now, Luke wants to see every Kurosawa yeah. film ever made. And some yeah. of them don't work for me, but I recognize them. Like, Ifiru, I don't like it, but it's really good. I need to see a Kuru. I've, like, I've got that one, too. I'm too young Somewhere. to feel that old. You're right. Okay, so just a, a couple of okay. a couple more questions that they're they're off the beaten path. Uh, and I know we started talking about like beer for twenty minutes. That helped. You know, <laughs> it did. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get into the Astros. Okay. Just, just I don't know. I hope it's brief, but knowing us, it probably won't May be, not be. Particularly after a six pack of beer for each of us, but. Right. Uh, I went to two. I, I guess I went to 20, 25 games this season. That's and, quite a few. Yeah, and I, I made the um, I made the two division games and two pennant games with the Yankees, and then I made uh, two World Series games against the uh, the Nationals, and I had a fun time, and I'm proud of my Astros. Right. 
And I just wanted to get your thoughts on the World Series, not because we should talk about every World Series, but because we live in H-Town. And I I do, to get back to a previous theme where we talked about flyover, mm-hmm. you know, we live in a, a polarized world. Yes. Or a polarized a uh, nation sure. where they think the flyover doesn't matter. And to me, it matters that my team, which is in flyover country, can... I don't want to say stick it to, but can can triumph uh, against against the uh, um, the money and the power, and the influence of the coasts. Okay. And it seemed it seemed like we we did it in 2017 against the Dodgers, and we yeah. and we we had a chance to do it uh, against the Nationals. Now, uh, or definitely the Yankees. Now, I want to say something very very clear here to to anyone who's listening on the East Coast. Um, I think the Nationals are a fantastic baseball team. Yeah, they deserve that. They, they deserve won. to win that, that series. Sucks, but and, they won. And, uh, yeah, it sucks for us, but they won fair and square. And uh, I didn't see anything that the Nationals were doing that was, uh, you know, out of bounds. I thought they were a great team. Yeah, it sucks they're, for us. But right, exactly. Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts on, on the World Series in terms of, like – all the fucking runners we were leaving on base. Oh, I mean, and it's, it's the whole thing was so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it was very frustrating. And I, you know, I hate to comment too much on baseball because I don't watch enough of it to have a valid opinion. I just don't. Um, but it was a game. The whole series was full of missed opportunities. That was my perception of it. It's like, oh, good God, you had someone up there and you can't move them along the base. Yeah, you just can't. I, I don't know. It was not crushing because we'd won the World Series a few years before. It was like, okay, we have this five-year grace period, right? That's totally fair. It's like, no matter what they do, it's like, well, you know, you got there. You won it. It's perfect. Um, I don't – I mean, that's the problem is I don't follow baseball well enough to really have strong opinions. I'm, I am the ultimate bandwagon fan in that regard. I will never watch a regular season game on television. Okay. I will totally watch all the playoffs from World Series for sure. Yeah. Um, and if they lose, I'm it sucks, mm-hmm. but I'm over it, right? Right. If they win, I'm excited, but I'm not going to run around and buy a baseball cap. You know, I watched the, uh, them win the World Series. I was out in Midland when they beat the Dodgers in Game 7. I was at a bar. I was excited. And it was over, and I've never bought an Astros baseball cap. Not because I don't like them, but it's like, this is pretty false if I'm buying my first Astros baseball cap after they win the World Series. <laughs> That's right. So I, I, yeah. I recognize that component. Um, I, I don't know enough about the sport and the rules because the thing that keeps fascinating me is this whole Astros stealing signs. And I don't know enough about it. My perception, which – I could be totally wrong, is that there's nothing in the rule books against stealing signs. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's kind of the impression I'm under. Is And if that's the case, it's like, well, fuck you. That means you're smarter than anyone else if you're stealing signs. Why is this a problem? Mm-hmm. And I want them to steal signs. Right. Well, that that was going to be where I was going to with my, my next one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to sort of punctuate and couch the first question with, you know, I, I was at the game yes. last season, uh, or I guess the season, the 2018 season, where uh, Altuve had had hit, had hit a two-run homer, 
and a fan had been declared to interfere. Okay. And they they called it uh, fan interference, and they invalidated the two-run oh, homer. Okay. And that prevented us from going to the World Series. Which, that's crushed the Red Sox. I was in the stadium at the time, and I will tell you that when I walked into Minute Maid to watch that game, there was a, a collective zeitgeist the atmosphere of the stadium was this is inevitable that we're going to win or that we were going to win this game okay. and that we were going to go to the world series there. Right. And we were playing the Red Sox. Right. And to have that attitude against a team like the Red Sox seems pretty crazy. What's crazier that they have that attitude against Red Sox or that, we look at the Red Sox like that because the Red Sox were terrible for 110 years. Well, uh, right. Gone. Gone. They, they were, but they were on a pretty... Yes, they've been on a good streak recently, yeah. for sure. Yeah, Past decade has been nice to them. So, but I I will say that that, that dickhead, I don't know if I can say that without you being sued for libel. That'll be fixed in post. I don't know if that's libel. I don't know either. I, I got to look it up. Joe West, okay. who's the... the coach who made that call i mean you want to spend time on youtube looking at his bad calls and i know that all refs had bad calls that guy there was almost a riot in new york during their division because he he coached he he's just horrible for fan interference for that call and when he made that call it collectively sucked out the wind oh, yeah. Those type of, things can totally of the entire stadium. You just the team. Yeah. felt 30,000 people just like, well, well we're, we're fuck. Not gonna, we're not going to win. Fuck it. And that was the second inning. Yeah. Those things happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how else to convey something like that to someone who's never been in a stadium with 30,000 other people. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's palatable. It, I mean, it is. And... So having said that, we you know um, for for this series we went, we didn't win. I'm okay that we didn't win because we lost to a better team. Yes, I did not feel that. Yes, the Sox. in 2018, I felt like we lost to inferior team. Now regarding the trash can banging, <laughs> I'm not even sure that's, what you're referencing. Uh, that's how they say we're stealing signs. Oh, okay. Okay. What the fuck? There's a tunnel in, right. in the dugout, and there's a trash can there, mm-hmm. and someone's clanging the lid of the trash can while he's looking at a monitor. And what he's doing is he's looking at the the catcher's signal right. for a fastball. And when the fastball comes, he clangs the trash can, and that's when it's time to. That's when the hitter knows when he hears that sound. That's when the hitter knows when to aim for the fastball in, inside the zone. Oh, okay. So this is this is what some people have declared to be, quote, unquote, and I'm not making this up, high-tech <laughs> sign stealing. Okay. Right. That sounds like it's a totally Russian and, CGB stuff. And if you want to watch something even funnier, they, somebody, and I don't remember who it was, I saw this on Twitter, called in Pete fucking Rose... Okay. To talk about sign stealing. If anyone knows anything about stealing signs and doing dirty shit in baseball, it's Pete Rose. That's what I would think. 
and Pete Rose found it laughable. Yeah, I think it's. He was trying to get through the interview without laughing, and this is not a friend of the Astros. Right. He spent his whole career making the Astros look like trash when yeah. we had the greatest pitcher in baseball right. history. You know, Charlie Hustle would do anything he could against the Astros. Yeah. He walked all over us. But he was like, stealing signs? Okay, well, you know, your second baseman can steal the sign. Yeah. And he can throw it to the hitter if if they work out a, a predetermined signal. But if you're caught doing that, that ain't good. Like, that is, that's clearly against the rules. Is it against the rules? I thought it for for, the for the second baseman to do it, apparently, for anyone in, in the infield to throw signs to the batter, that's, they can't have that. Why? Um, they they feel that the league's feeling is that it's cheating. Now okay. banging a fucking trash can. Now the thing is that the the one the one batter who um, I can't remember which batter it was, mm-hmm. but they had his batting average before somebody went through the whole 2017 season People with this one batter at yeah. plate. And they said when the trash can, when you can hear the trash can on the tape, he's at his, or something? his his batting average doubles. Okay. Okay. So I don't want to say that there's nothing to this. But I also say, every time I've been at Minute Maid Park, and I've probably been there 60, 70 times in the last three years. Right. Every time they, there's a mound, every time they talk to each other, anytime they whisper in each other's ear at the dugout, they got their hand up to their face. Sure. To hide. What the, they're saying. From, right. From lip readers. Yeah. And if lip readers did not exist, they wouldn't be doing it. Probably right. So the Astros know that whatever team that they play against... There's lip readers. Yeah. And every team that they play against employs, employs lip might. readers so, or, or might. Yeah. Right. So to me, for for one guy to say three years after the fact, we were banging a trash can for one hitter. Seems a bit absurd. It's, it, not only does that seem absurd and a little bit unlikely, but it's, it also is kind of shitty that, okay, so you kept your mouth shut. For three years. But why? Yeah. So you're a son of a bitch. Yeah. Why didn't you say this at the time? Oh, because you wanted to go to the World Series. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, I, like I said, I haven't followed that closely because I just haven't. But it strikes me as a big bunch of nonsense. And I, what you're telling me now makes me think, oh, yeah, I was right. Yeah. Big bunch of nonsense. I'd yeah. like to know what Bill Simmons wants to say about Well, that. he's a Red Sox guy. Oh, he is. That's, that is true. So we know what he's going to say. Yeah. And I'd still listen to it, and I'd still laugh, and I'd say, ah! But, you know, he's a Red Sox guy. What do you, What else you got, man? Oh, I'm getting close to done. It's been two hours and 36 minutes, so I think that I've about had it in my mind. I mean, we got Christmas coming up, and made it through Thanksgiving, so everything is pretty good on my end of the world. So all in all, you know, no complaints and everything is phenomenal. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, I think 2019 was a great year for film. I I, I do want to rerun that. Um, I, I don't know when we can actually do it, but a year in review would be really interesting to actually just focus exclusively on that and go through some sort of, you know. That'll be the next time we get together. Right. That'll be That's the, what I'm saying. I don't yeah. know when that'll be. It'll probably be. Probably, it'll be after Christmas. Yeah, it'll definitely be after For Christmas. For sure. But, I mean, I think that you're right that there's a good possibility this was a tremendous year for film, even shit that I didn't see. But I feel strongly it was probably pretty good. Like, like I said, Marriage Story is one of those that 
from what I can tell, is apparently excellent, and I am not going to watch. Hmm. Right, which is unfortunate, but it's true. Um, Midsummer is another one that yeah, I want to see that. I want to really yeah, see. I hear amazing things I've about heard that. It's very good, but it's one of those that I probably won't see, um, just because it's just not my thing. But I hope they keep making those type of things. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think 2019 is probably going to be one of those underrated years. Well, I hope that it's the start of something. Like I, I remember, like when I was a kid, um, and if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I'm a huge fan of the '80s and the decade of film that was in the '80s. I was at the theater all the time, and there's right. obviously there's something magical and special about being a kid and going to the theater and experiencing all of that, and Ghostbusters, and even Heather's, and all of that. And then, and then I, I was a a teenager in a in, in my twenties in the nineties, and it, it just you were a teenager in your twenties. A teenager in the ni- and in my twenties oh, in the nineties. Okay, 90s. <laughs> okay I'm that. Right. In the nineties, I was a teenager right. and I was in my early twenties. Right. And I just did not feel the same magic. I just just did not feel like I was drawn to the theater with the same purpose with right. the same desire with the I same need, like oh i gotta see that movie this weekend and i really need to see it list it wasn't until about 1999 i guess it was about 99, 99 was a weird year it, but it was it was it was like there was a run from 99 to about 2000 yeah, it, was a, it was a weird time yeah to, to 99 to 2000 i guess 99 to 2009 is what i was like that first okay. that 10 years it just seemed like there was a there's always something there was a lot going on right. and then it, it was like we hit uh, almost around the time the social network hit there's like been a lull. Oh, I definitely perceive something of a cratering. Yeah. I don't know if there is or not, but and, that's my perception. And I suppose that if you're Scorsese or Coppola, you're blaming all that on Marvel. But the past the past three years, there's been some real interesting shit come out. I don't think they you know, blame it on Us, The Quiet Place. Yeah, but I don't think they blame it on Marvel. That, that, my perception is that I blame it on Marvel is so much as what Marvel represents, which is the lack of risk-taking and interesting stuff. That's my perception. I could be totally wrong. I don't know. Huh. Well. I I loved uh, Iron Man 3. The idea of... Really? Yeah. and It's pretty interesting, but I'm surprised you loved it. I loved Iron Man 3, and I watched it repetitively. And um, I think it says a lot about uh, the growth of Stony, Tony Stark's character. God, we've been hammering him, haven't we? Totally. And the idea of someone calling that not interesting... It's, yeah, but it's, you have to remember, it's one person. Yeah. It's one dude. It's always one dude. Right, but yeah, but. There's going to be, a, you know, that like one person is fuck dude. Star Wars. You know. It's like, I wouldn't expect my grandfather, if he was alive, to be all that interested in the Marvel movies. And he would probably be the same age as Martin Scorsese. Well, yeah, generation gap, <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, generation gap. You know. Did you watch The Nice Guys yet? No, but I hear it's I hear it's phenomenal. Yeah. If you love the Iron Man three, watch the Nice Guys. Okay, okay, very good. Why Why are you relating Iron Man three? Oh, okay. Shane West. It's like it's really good. Should we sign it off? We should sign it off, man. Thank you so much for coming oh, over. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Social Network with us. No worries. Thank you. Very I'm not going to tease the next episode because I got to talk to you about it after we turn off the mics. That'll work. All right. Thanks very much for uh, following us on the Super 70 Podcast. This is uh, Dylan Davis. And Dave Anderson. And we're saying good night and good luck. 
Thanks for hanging out with Dave and I while we discussed beer, film, and baseball. The Super 70 Podcast is an audio commentary meant to sync with the film we are discussing. You don't have to, though, and can go on listening without watching anything. I would, however, recommend that you watch the film we are discussing before listening to the Super 70 Podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Himalaya, and my website at www.thatdylandavis.com. I'm Dylan Davis, and we'll meet next time at the Tendra Spit.